welcome to Hooplecast. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me are my co-hosts... Carol. Matt. Mel! And we are definitely Hoopleheads. Super. Oh, boy, yeah. More so, I think me more so than anyone today. No. Yeah. No. We all played a part in this... this yeah. ...headedness. I don't understand yeah. time zones and how they work and... <laughs> All our brains farted at the same time. <laughs> we have a special guest today. Please introduce yourself, guest. Uh, this is Steve, and I was here on time. All you guys are messed up. <laughs> yeah, poor Steve. Had to wait. I still don't know what time that was, but good, Steve. Good on you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive us. Forgive us. <laughs> Steven wanted to be here to talk about Big Little Lies. That's what he said. He said, oh. well, we oh. cover Big Little Lies. He wants to be on the podcast. Okay. And I said, sure. But we also, we're going to talk about Westworld today, too. Hopefully that's okay. Yeah, it'll, it'll have to do. Uh, I'll suffer through Westworld just to get the Big Little Lies. Okay. Um, first of all, I got a little bit of HBO news. We haven't been around for a couple of months. Just going to do a little rundown here, a little quick rundown. The television show The White Lotus, did anyone watch that this year? It was kind of a big thing. Nope. It was The Big Little Lies of 2021. But it was renewed for a second season, and according to HBO, the second season is going to leave the Hawaiian resort and follow different groups of vacationers as they jet off to other White Lotus properties and settle in temporarily amongst its inhabitants. I don't know this property at all. This show, well, we thought it was a miniseries, but I guess it's going to be a a recurring show, a, a regular show about, I guess we'll say wealthy to upper middle, middle class to wealthy people who go to a resort and just kind of vomit white privilege all over the place. <laughs> so okay, I see feels what you like mean the about people, the big little lies. Yeah, it feels like the people in one of these shows. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's sort of in that same vein of exploring privilege and race and... Of all the sort of hot button issues. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's it's by Mike White, who's a pretty funny guy. Anyway, that that was renewed for a surprise second season. Uh, I also have here that the Gilded Age starts next month. We talked about this previously on the podcast. This is from Julian Fellows of Downton Abbey. That, is Downton Abbey a HBO show? <laughs> Downton Abbey was a British show. I don't know what channel it aired on over there. Oh. Maybe ITV? I can't recall. But then in the States, it was on PBS. Uh, this is uh, his first HBO show, as far as I know. It's called The Gilded Age. I'm excited for it because it stars Christine Baranski of The Good Fight and also Cynthia Nixon and a couple other uh, well-known people. Mm-hmm. And it's about the American Gilded Age, which the series begins in 1882. Well. With young Marion Brooke moving from rural Pennsylvania to New York City after the death of her father to live with her thoroughly old money aunts. So they're doing kind of a similar vibe to Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey, but in the United States during the so-called Gilded Age, which was a it term... It should be fun. Should be fun. Yeah. Yeah, what does that term mean? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I yeah stop interrupting me. No, but I appreciate how engaged everyone is. 
the Gilded Age term came into use in the 1920s and the 1930s and was derived from writer Mark Twain and Charles Dudley Warner's 1873 novel, The Gilded Age, A Tale of Today, which satirized an era of serious social problems masked by a thin gold gilding. Oh, I like it. So it's ironic. <laughs> Get it? Is it kind of the transition time, uh, time be- between cowboys and the more modern age? <laughs> I think it's more the time of the robber barons. Oh, okay. Yeah, it probably takes place on uh, those famous cottages that aren't really cottages. They're like palatial estates. Where is? Where are those? There are some in Rhode Island, in Newport, Rhode Island. There's a there's a bunch of of them, and uh, there's some up the Hudson to a lesser degree. And uh, yeah, there's yeah, the Breakers in Newport, Rhode Island. I remember my parents took me there. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Newport, Rhode Island is you can still take a tour of uh, what's left of the old. Uh, Gilded Age homes and uh, yeah, it's they're admittedly it's it's a good tour. It's it's definitely worth seeing. So that show starts January twenty fourth, and I'm excited for it because you know I love some catty rich people. <laughs> this past week, Variety learned that a follow up to Six Feet Under is in very early development at HBO, and when they say very early development. They mean that there's no writer attached to the project. No plot has been decided. They don't know if it's a reboot or a sequel series following up on the existing characters from the show. Why is this... This kind of shit bothers me. Why is this mentioned as a news item? That some yeah. people had a meeting and talked about a thing? And then they left going, I don't know, sounds like an idea we could talk about later. It's news! Sounds like... It sounds like the definition of a slow news day. They just they just want they just want to tease people. It sounds, or maybe get them excited so that they can push for that renewal, oh, or like that. gauge interest. Yeah, I think so. That's possible. Yeah, yeah. good wow. idea, Matt. That's because you're a you're a, a beloved cunt. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Sorry, inside joke. Um, I am a beloved cunt. Yeah. Uh, I only mention this because I hate this kind of news. That's I'm not mentioning it for the news so much as so I can uh, kvetch about the kind of news. Because uh, where's that Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, show that caused such a kerfuffle? Oh, yeah, the reboot. Yeah, but it wasn't a reboot. That was was further along. That was further along than. Then what this one is saying it is. Yeah. They announced that there was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot, and then people complained that they didn't want a reboot. They wanted a continuation with the current um, canon and not a total reboot. And then the the network or the showrunner or whatever said, no, 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 no. It's not a total reboot. That's the wrong word. It's a continuation. Right. We'll preserve continuity. With a new Slayer. But it took like a whole week of people freaking out on the internet. And then where the hell did it go? What happened to it? They claimed that they they had a cast and or they had a um a buff a, a slayer, whatever you know whoever that was going to be, and everything else. And yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. That you know, we've heard nothing for ages about it. It's been a couple of years. Twenty eighteen. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I only hey. bring up Six Feet Under to mention that I hate this garbage. I wish <laughs> people would keep this to themselves until the cameras start rolling. Don't announce anything ever. That's that's my opinion. <laughs> I just wanted to state it on the podcast. Uh, then the last thing I wanted to talk about, because we were not recording in September when he passed away, but he's such an integral part of the HBO family, and that's Michael Kenneth Williams. He passed away on September 6th. And uh, I know that he's probably best known for, for as Omar on The Wire, but to me, he was Chalky White on Boardwalk Empire, and he was uh, most recently in Lovecraft Country. Very sad that he passed away. I just wanted to... It was an accidental overdose. The New York City Medical Examiner cited it as a, an acute intoxication by the combined effects of fentanyl, P-fluorofentanyl, heroin, and cocaine. Damn that fentanyl. Mm. And he survived by his son, Elijah. Mm. I just wanted to mention that because he's, he's yeah. been in a lot of things that we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was a that was a real loss. Uh, yeah. I was glad I was able to uh, talk about him when we reviewed Lovecraft Country. So at least I got a uh, good 10 hours worth of uh, you know, reflection on his acting. So that, that was good. It's a really good part for him, too. All right. Well, on that sad note, <laughs> if oh, you're wait. ready. Something else came out while we were uh, on break. The Many Saints of Newark. Yeah, did anyone watch that? I did not. I was going to ask you how it was. I heard it was underwhelming. Oh. I watched it. It was okay. it was good. It was a good like um had nothing to do with Sopranos, right? Nothing to do with Tony. I mean, he was he was a minor character in the in the show. But uh it was a good uh, I guess a good movie. Uh just kind of had nothing to do with the the rest of the the TV shows. I think that's what was underwhelming about it. It's like, well, for a prequel, you wanted to tease out some of those, uh, you know, integral characters, and had nothing to do with those characters. Right. So, what was the point of it? <laughs> Is that the problem? Money? Is that? Mm-hmm. I heard it. I heard it didn't compare. Like people were comparing it to the Breaking Bad movie, which also was. Uh, Unnecessary, but they were saying like, "Oh, compared to that, it was underwhelming." And I was really, like, everyone yeah. said that was underwhelming. Yeah, I know. That's what I thought. I read that somewhere, but maybe hmm. I'm wrong. Um, the other thing is uh, that they released some stills of the HBO HBO's um, Last of Us adaptation. Mm. And it well, they pretty- released a f- what a photo of Joel and Ellie looking over at the. Yeah, landscape. from the back. <laughs> yeah. It looked it, like Joel and Ellie. <laughs> it did. So much that when I saw it, I was like, okay, so where's the photo from the from the show? Yeah. I thought it was a screenshot, because that, that game is so photorealistic, too. So, mm. Yeah, that... Dick Offerman's being uh, cast as Bill, who was played by who previously in, in the actual game? Uh, in the actual game, Bill was played by W. Earl Brown of Deadwood fame. For some reason, Matt doesn't remember Matt H. I don't. I can't keep his his name in my head. Well, for some, for some but I remember you watching that special feature with him doing like the mocap stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, I remember you watched because I remembered it. 
I can't retain that knowledge for some reason. <laughs> what? You retain that knowledge all the time. I don't know what happened there. But anyways. <laughs> I'm sorry. If Mel remembers, you definitely should remember. Yeah, because yeah, I've true. got the I've got a terrible memory. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. Wow, okay. <laughs> Alright, let's get to it. So, so, I feel so supported right now. Thank you, Carol. <laughs> well, Mel, you know I always try and agree with you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> okay, nice nice save. Nice save. <laughs> Matt, I appreciate that you brought some uh, news for this opening segment. I know. Yeah. Very impressed. I am also just... impressed. But I'm not impressed about you forgetting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Westworld. We watched the premiere episode, The Original, which debuted on October 2nd, 2016. Oh, shit, I forgot about the fucking 60-second thing. Uh, I haven't gotten there yet. I haven't shit! gotten there yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh. Teleplay by Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy, directed by Jonathan Nolan. There's currently three seasons, 28 episodes, but it was renewed for a fourth season. It's based on the 1973 film, which was written and directed by Michael Crichton. Someone's going to have to summarize this premiere episode <laughs> in 60 seconds or less. Is Steven included in this? Steven's <laughs> included in this. He is included. Yes. My odds are lower. Odds are better. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's usually Mel, but hopefully, well, hopefully it's not me. Um, I have a little wheel here with our, all of our names on it, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spin it. Uh, by the way, if you haven't forgotten, this is a segment that I stole wholesale from the podcast Intro to X. So credit where credit is due. Uh, you must summarize the plot in 60 seconds. If you go over, you lose, and if you go ridiculously under, you're a robot chump. Oh. <laughs> <Ba-ba>. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> there was a huge delay. Yeah, there yeah, always there's, is. There's cheating. Um, there's cheating there. It's Mel. No! <laughs> <laughs> Who did it teeter on for a long time? Oh, um, it doesn't teeter. The sound effect is just always delayed. Oh. Are you included on this list, Matt? <laughs> yeah, you want you want proof? <laughs> you want to see it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, right now, you don't have time to Photoshop it, so go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to remember what happened in that show, because we watched it on Friday. Oh, it's pretty. It's really pretty. It's pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why does it have to be so pretty? <laughs> that is pretty. All right, Mel. Oh my god, my memory. <laughs> oh, we gotta get the stopwatch out. <laughs> my memory. Take a breath. Collect your thoughts. Um, wait. Think about what happened. <laughs> we'll wait for the giggles to subside. <laughs> Oh, that could take a while. Can I give you a, a, a tip? <laughs> Just try and sum- summarize the uh, premise of the show, not so much the episode. Because plot-wise, I'm not sure there's a lot to to like, go from A to B. As I'm sure as a plot. It's, it's all set up. But... Alright, I'm going to cut you down. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so um, people are shoveled on a train to this place, and you think it's going to be... Well, I don't know. I didn't... Oh, no. How would I explain this? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bad at this. I think, I think she's stalling. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to say the entire thing in the last 15 seconds. 30 seconds. <laughs> you can do it. Come on, you got 20 seconds. Um, so there's people, and it's a fake world, and there's like androids or whatever, and no, that's wrong. I tried to cheat, but it didn't work. <laughs> oh, that's season three. Yeah. Five seconds, four. Come on. Um, anyways, it's not what it seems. <laughs> okay. Get it. Um. Yeah. Um. Uh, I guess that's a win because it's one minute on the dot. Yeah. <laughs> um, Good job, Mel. People are so into a train, and it's not what it seems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the sixty-seven second plot summary is designed to educate a person who hasn't seen the show very quickly what the show's about before we talk about it in depth. So I hope everyone out there is edified about what Westworld is based on that illuminating summary. How can you be confused? Yeah. <laughs> should I, Apparently people should I, laugh a lot. And I, I, I think that's... Yeah, it's a comedy. Yeah, it's a comedy. Here, just read that. Ugh. I'm just gonna okay. So I was gonna cheat and just like look up like a uh, like an episode summary because <laughs> I was like I ah uh, <laughs> you couldn't do it. I you people it. need to be practicing these these su- these sixty seconds summaries before we record in the mirror in front of the mirror. <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. <laughs>
A park um, staff begin to notice. Hey, that's my job. <laughs> the park staff begins to notice strange behavior from the hosts. A mysterious man in black roams the park, wrecking havoc. Oh my god, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right off the top, I love the main title sequence. Yes. The music's haunting, the images are cool. Really sets the tone. So are all these uh, fake people just made of, like, hardened milk? Yeah. <laughs> Strands I... of hardened milk? They're, they're cheese yeah. people. <laughs> well, the skeleton a takes a milk bath at the start. Takes a fondue bath. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is I very do, pretty. I do like the music, the way it uses the uh, the piano, the stand-up piano. Right. Of of the times and uh, at, uh, the the like you said the the music is very haunting. It's true. Uh, the music uh, on the whole is really effective in this show. I especially like how they take existing like rock songs and pop songs and give them a western or saloon sheen to them. Like yeah, there'll be some Radiohead or. Um, Painted Black was used during the saloon heist scene. Was that what that was? I was trying to figure it out. It's like I knew the song and I I couldn't... It was like I was humming it along with and trying to figure out what I was humming while at the same time watching the thing. Yeah. How do I know this song? Exactly. Right. You'll get the honky-tonk version of these various tunes. Modern tunes. Uh, really nice touch. I thought I I enjoy the music of the show quite a lot. Yeah, it's fun. Do we get to see in later episodes <laughs> how they get like the flesh tone on the robots? Are they robots? Yeah, well, basically. Androids. What what else Yeah, I guess androids. Might you call them? I don't know, I just didn't I didn't notice any mechanical parts. <laughs> hmm. Like we haven't seen any wires exposed yeah or circuitry or microchips or anything i don't know i'm trying to remember because i saw like at least the first season maybe more than that it was a while ago though and um I, I think it was, like, on Netflix or Prime. It was, like, whatever they were letting you see, they wouldn't let you see more than, like, a season or two. Um, I liked it, you know, it was, it, but I don't remember. There's a lot of stuff I don't remember about it. So, who actually watched all three seasons of this show? Not I. Not I. I bailed <laughs> midway through the second season. <laughs> okay. The second season is like uh, okay. Japanese themed, right? Yeah. What about the third one? And the, up- and the upcoming fourth one? I was intrigued by the third one enough to watch the trailer, and I thought the trailer was really cool. I was excited that Aaron Paul was going to be in it. It looked like they were doing a soft reboot of the show because it takes place outside of the park and in a sort of a futuristic city and it's like oh this looks different and exciting but then people were not very happy with the third season so it's like well it seems to getting like it's getting progressively worse 
So mm. I didn't even bother to watch the third season. Although I do want to call out a comment that I read after the trailer. Someone wrote, I can't wait to not understand anything. Oh, wow. <laughs> I thought this show was was well regarded, but maybe I was wrong. Oh, the, the first, first season season? is. I think the first couple seasons were very well regarded. So the, this has been renewed for a fourth season. And um, I, I was wondering if this is the first HBO show that uh, Hooplecast has uh, reviewed that is still ongoing, still What still a great in question. Oh, I hope someone would ask that question. <laughs> um, technically, no, because we talked about Game of Thrones about a month before the final season started to air. Uh, but I would say that this is the first show we've talked about, which is currently in the throes of production. If you consider that Game of Thrones probably... I definitely wrapped its filming, but probably had most of it, like, uh, of this final season, 99% sort of, like, baked, right, before we started to talk about it. This is definitely the one that is filming while we're talking about it. So, thank you for that question. Do you count In Treatment? Because they were greenlit for a second season. I don't know if I can count that, because... It's such. What, it was it kind of continuous. An, it, yeah, it's like True Detective in a way. It's like it's just in um, hibernation, and then spontaneously it came back. Uh, yeah, I had forgotten also about in treatment. So it doesn't sound like we were we're too concerned with spoilers here, right? So uh, you know the multiple seasons, and no, I ne- I'm never gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> really? Well, I don't know. I just. I mean, if somebody gives me free HBO, sure. Matt doesn't care about spoilers either. In fact, he's that trying helps. to spoil things for us all the time. <laughs> so, true. yeah, go. go I on. would say, like, be. But I just said, like, the third season takes out place mostly outside the park. But I would say, don't, don't, not like, not everything is off the table. But you could talk in broad strokes about it. Well, That's I unfair. requested to be on this episode specifically because we reviewed um, season two um, premiere uh, previously, and it, yeah, we, and what in that say one, that? Uh, <laughs> we had a lot of questions. We had a lot of questions of, of unresolved things from season one, right? So I wanted to come back and watch you know, at least you know the first episode to see if any of those questions are at least hinted at. And so I, I was looking, I was deep diving into this episode, looking for any kind of uh, hints or clues of things that we might have missed the first time around. So I'm I'm glad to get the, the second viewing. Yeah, and are there, is it smarter than, is it as smart as it thinks it is? I don't think so. There, there's one <laughs> thing I caught, uh, but other than that one thing, I mean, um, like uh, we were asking about, these all seem a very American tourists that uh, come into the park and there's no foreigners or, you know, you, you expect there to be a multicultural. There, there were uh, what I assume were Japanese guys. There, yeah. there was Chinese. Yeah. Uh, Maeve speaks Chinese around the 25 minute mark to some guests. So yeah, there, there is some Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. They were Chinese. Yeah. I, I had to say anything. I had the closed captions on, so uh, it, at least the closed captions uh, acknowledge them as Chinese. Oh, okay. I had the closed caption on, but I missed that. Okay. 
so that that was the only thing that really stood out as we we had a question about it what do you think of the guests you mean the newcomers uh, the first time i played at whitehead family was here we went fishing did the gold hunt in the mountains and last time came alone went straight evil it's the best two weeks of my life I like to remember what my father taught me. That at one point or another, we were all new to this world. The newcomers are just looking for the same thing we are. A place to be free. To stake out our dreams. A place with unlimited possibilities. Oh, God. It's incredible. Better be for what we're paying. <laughs> there were actually... in the One of the things I noticed in, in the episode was... It didn't seem like there were many visitors at all. It seemed like almost everybody was one of the... What do they call them? I hosts. Mean, hosts. Oops. Were... Were hosts. Almost nobody was an actual visitor. I was wondering that too. Uh, like, how many visitors are in there at one time? Because, like, what's like if there's too many, what's to stop? I know they they can't shoot each other with guns, but what's to stop? Like, somebody's like, oh, I'm going to stab this host, and it ends up being a visitor. I, I do have an answer for that. Oh, okay. I assume um, that probably happens at some point in the series. So, in this episode, in this first episode, they talk about uh, like. Uh, 10% of the host population being infected by this reverie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so th- they said they had to roll back 200 hosts. So that means there's 2,000 hosts at, at any one point. Okay. And uh, they also mentioned, I don't, don't remember where, but 1,400 guests. So there's definitely more hosts than there are guests. So what was it, 2,000 versus 1,400? Yes. Huh. Okay. But there still, that's 14, a lot. It is a lot. Where, where were where, they? Where were they? Because they, I mean... I guess they were out doing side bath, quests. That bloodbath at the end there, it seemed like pretty much everybody was getting shot. And it's been kind of the same through most of the the movie. There'd be like one or two guests and everybody else would be, you know, being just like totally destroyed. Yeah. Seems inconsistent. Uh, that can't be 1,400 guests all at one time. Well, this is just Sweetwater, where most of this took place. The park is large, and there's... Multiple parks. Well, did they include those figures just in Westworld, or did they? was that for all the parks in total? Uh, at this point, we only know that there's a Westworld. So. Right. Well, it does... So is there... Oh, sorry. It does seem like there's a thin number of actual human guests in the park, but they're also, as I said, spread out, and they're role-playing, I would assume, which means you may not know that that guy on that horse is actually a a host or a guest. Yeah, so what's to stop them from stabbing each other or running each other over with a horse or something? Well, that, I I couldn't tell you, like, like accidental deaths of, of... Falling off a horse or whatever it seems very probable. Stabbing or shooting another person, I, 
I, I can only speak to the movie that I had also watched this weekend, and they answer that question in the movie. What's the answer there? Question or the answer in the movie is that because uh, one guy asked that question and he and he's like, okay, James Brolin says, all right, shoot me with that gun, and the trigger doesn't fire because there's a heat sensing unit on the gun. You point it at a human being, it detects body temperature and won't fire. You point it at yeah. a robot, it doesn't detect it, so it'll fire the gun. Yeah, we know we know the the guns work like that, but I'm talking about oh. any other method of violence. Oh, any other method of violence? I uh, who the hell knows? That I I couldn't. Tell. <laughs> you, you know, you gotta sign a disclaimer, like a like a waiver Everybody's... before you go in. Oh, you definitely sign a waiver. Uh, yeah, they're they're watching the guests as well constantly to ensure that things don't go wrong. And in the movie, at least, when this guy is fighting a a knight, because it also kind of crosses over into medieval world, that movie does. Um, they they show a guy with like a slider, just sort of like let's just slide down the uh, the ability of the of the host to compensate for the guest, make him you know miss a couple more times. But then then now you're into this whole privacy thing, like for safety reasons, people are watching you all the time. That's really creepy, and I don't know how I would feel about that. <laughs> yeah, if you're about to stab a, a fellow visitor, does do they have like PAs in the ceiling in the sky that you can just like? They'll be like, "Hey, don't stab that guy." He's a That's human. You know what this show reminded me of? It reminded me of those <clears throat> those uh, puzzle rooms that you have to escape escape rooms. Mm-hmm. You mean the cube? Oh, the cube. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of the cube. Yeah. <laughs> um. What I like about this show is how much it does take from video games and gaming, and this idea that you're you're in an open world environment, you can you dress up like your character and you go wherever you want to go, and there's quests and there's there's NPCs to talk to, and they tell you about secrets over here, and then you go on a little side quest, a little adventure that's written just for you know this little pocket of the park. You go to a little quest chain. Yeah, I just watched uh, Free Guy, uh, Ryan Reynolds' Free Guy, this past weekend, and it reminded me a lot of this first episode because he's an NPC in that, and he keeps you know waking up and having the same day over and over unless something happens. Is uh, that an incredibly violent, depressing, <laughs> rapey movie like the show is? It's got cartoon violence. What I liked about this first episode was um, it, it starts off with uh, Teddy coming into town, right, by train, and he's walking around and interacting with, um, you know, the, the, the NPCs of the town, right? But we learn that Teddy himself is an NPC, and so you spend the first 11 minutes, I believe, continuously following around these characters, and all of them... You know, Teddy interacts with Maeve and uh, um, you know all the all the people, but they're all hosts for the first right. eleven minutes. Right. And, and it's not till they they switch to um, uh, the people in you know behind the scenes people, your Bernard and you know guys behind the wall kind of thing that you realize that oh wait a minute those people that we were just watching those are all. None of them are human. I mean, we're sitting in back watching this show and realizing that this is just their normal, like, everyday routine. If nothing changes, this is what happens every day to these these characters. Yeah, they're on a loop, like 
characters in a video game. Unless well, you're Groundhog Cyberpunk Day. 2077, and then you just disappear when you walk around the block. But yeah. NPC, by the way, a means non-playable character for any non-video game person out there. Um, I've played the Westworld Awakening VR game, and I finished it this weekend because I, I it a game played or it. an experience? It's a narrative <laughs> game. It is a experience i suppose the the gaming part of it is is pretty light there's some moments where you have to hide from a an MP, uh, an npc a character who's trying to attack you the premise of the of the westworld awakening game is that you you play as a host who is gaining sentience and you don't know what you are or where you are and a voice in your head who's a, a Delos employee is trying to guide you out of where you are. And you're being chased by your husband who, in one of your memories and incarnations, you were a happily married couple. But those employees at the company got in and tinkered around in his brain and your brain. And now he's a, a killer in a, in a horror scenario. And he's stuck in that loop of trying to catch you and kill you. So there's sequences where you have to like hide under furniture and stuff as he stalks you, alien isolation style. It, and you break out uh, of the uh, of the kind of area you're in. You explore the Delos facilities. It happened, I think, chronology wise, it's like right during the season one finale or between seasons one and two when the hosts have rebelled and there's like the violence has erupted. That's sort of where that video game takes place. But in that game, you can read emails between Dallas Corporation employees to each other. And I found one about Teddy that I want to read to you right now because it pertains to what Stephen just brought up. Okay. It says, Think we might want to reassign our park's resident heartthrob, Teddy. Could be the leading man we need to set the tone for our incoming guests. He's perfect on every level. Romance, bromance, wish fulfillment. Hell, if we make him easy enough to shoot, he's even perfect for high school revenge fantasies. And that demo is basically our bread and butter. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Poor Teddy. Poor Teddy. <laughs> it's, it's really chilling when he's in that room with the fly crawling on him. And uh, the, the guests say, oh... Is my man Teddy. He'll write us out of Sweetwater, but if we get bored with him, we could just use him for target practice. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. Why yeah. is there so many flies in this facility? <laughs> Are they robot flies? Yeah. I don't think so, because the point of is like them. But the stinger at the end is like them harming a fly. But uh, aren't flies that like attracted to like human eye juice? Like, are these moisture in general? Yeah, like are these like actually are these beings actually moist? (laughs) (laughs) They probably sweat. sweat. They probably do. There's probably some sort of you know fake skin, silicon skin that with something. Within it that moisturizes it. Definitely got gooey insides. Yeah, they've got gooey insides. (laughs) That spills milk sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I know the whole premise of Westworld is that the hosts rebel. Um, So, like season two, is it just pretend season one didn't happen, or do they like? They clean up the park and they're like, hey, it's all fine. It's, let's Jurassic Park this and try to open another park. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're getting to... You don't care about spoilers. So, I don't. Um, uh, season two... 
season two, they're trying to round up all the uh, the hosts that have rebelled. Right. So I guess these 2000 hosts, they're they're trying to round up the the Delos employees are trying to round up these 2000 hosts. Mm-hmm. And um, the the hosts that are um, aware of their existence are trying to escape. So oh, it's much more of a worlds. yeah, it's much more of a cat and mouse game for season two. Um, there's, <laughs> there's the, the whole thing with, uh, William and, uh, the, the man in black. Oh my God. That I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> Who's William? <laughs> so there's the man in black. Do you, do you recognize who that is? Um, yeah, Ed, Ed Harris. Yeah. Ed Harris. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so he has a whole arc that covers, Throughout the seasons, season one, two, and three, you know, he, he remains a character. Um, but I, his motivation like flip-flops back and forth, and I have no idea. I assumed he was just a serial killer, and he's doing this because otherwise he'd be killing real people. <laughs> it's, it's more than that, but, but the more of it doesn't make a lot of sense. It, hmm. His character is too enigmatic, and his plot line is, I think, tragically bad. And poorly written. And, <laughs> and this, so in this episode, hmm. he's trying to find the maze or get to the end of the maze. I, I forget what he, he t- talks about this as a game. Yeah, he, he, there's he a hidden get... level. There's a loot cave somewhere. He needs to find a lost sector. He thinks if he can get there, he'll, he'll unlock all this extra coding that perhaps was put into this park, which is seems unlikely, but I don't know why he thinks this. I don't remember why he thinks this. I mean, maybe it's answered. You know about games, don't you, Kissy? Hmm. Well, this is a complicated one. I don't play on a deal. Who said anything about you playing? Your livestock, scenery. I play. The others, they just come here to get their rocks off, shoot a couple Indians. There's a deeper level to this game. You're going to show me how to get there. A lot of wisdom in ancient cultures. Perhaps it's uh, time to dig deeper into yours. No. 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 I do like... I do like the idea of a game within a game right so i mean the the premise at least in concept is interesting i don't know if it was executed very well right i know it wasn't executed very well was his motivation connected to you know the the sycophant type guy uh, at the beginning not the beginning well somewhere in the middle where he was talking to the woman and saying oh you know i know that there's a much bigger reason for this and and so forth and she says yeah but you don't know what the reason is get away from me remember that scene um yeah the boss lady huh the boss lady yeah the boss lady um i'm sorry my phone keeps doing weird things on me um Mm -mm, it's rebelling to me Um, (laughs) watch out carol (laughs) yeah your phone your phone's gonna kill you yeah maybe um a possibility but uh, sweating 
Yeah, but I won't attach it to anything with um, with weapons or hands. Mm. Has so. the phone taken a milk bath recently? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have put it in rice. Um, <laughs> anyway, the um, I was wondering if Ed Harris' character was basically looking for that that whatever the reason was that the other guy was talking about. Whether those things were connected, but I don't remember from when I watched, whether I even never knew from what I had been able to watch. I can't recall if there's a connection between that scene, because I, I, I don't even remember that scene, really, and, and Ed Harris's character. But I think about, going back to video games and the parallels between the show and video games, Destiny 2 is infamous for being obtuse with so much of its gameplay and they will bury the developers Bungie will bury into the game these secrets items that you have no idea what the use is for areas that seem inaccessible and they'll just put them in the game and then the community will feverishly try to figure out what could this item mean what what is this door like there seems to be a door here but where how do I get into this into this and Sometimes they will discover, after months of of work, and sometimes not even that long, sometimes they crack it right away. Oh, if I do this this many times, and I stand here, and I use this item, and I point it this direction, and I fire it three times, and I do a little dance, and then you do this, and you stand over there, then at this moment in the games, this unlocks. And maybe that's kind of what he thinks he, like he can find. Like There's got to be something more to it than just the violence of the park like something is there what's he trying to get a high score i don't know high like his name on the leaderboard <laughs> is there a leaderboard <laughs> do you guys have a favorite character uh, no it, it, i dislike everybody almost equally <laughs> <laughs> like well, I, I think i guess the heroine i guess yeah can you really dislike the the woman who's yeah, because I know what happened. She goes in on a murderous, violent spree. Oh, does she? <laughs> well, yeah. she starts with that fly. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> hey, you're talking about Dolores. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about yeah. Dolores. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. I <laughs> the oldest host in the park. So is it not the original. It's Not satisfying when she goes on a murderous spree. I don't like watching people get murdered. Generally, I'm not a fan of ultra violent stuff. So okay. does I, she? I, I don't. This show is very violent. <laughs> Very I don't remember. Uh, does she basically kill people who have been doing bad things, or does she just like kill to kill? Uh, <laughs> Nobody remembers, or she kills there's a lot of people. This, I don't children think... in this park. Does she ind- indiscriminately kill uh, humans? Uh, we don't see any more children after this first episode. Well, we're all they, someone's they child, Matthew. They all the children. <laughs> I was really concerned for that kid when, like, because I was like, how, as a parent, like, how would you be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring my kid to this park where, yeah, like, I just, I guess I just wasn't clear on what the guarantee was of your safety, and it feels not, it feels too... 
Jurassic Park yeah. test beta mode mm-hmm. for it to be okay. Come on, son. You want to come to Murderopolis with us? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, there must... also, well, also where the, the kid? People are allowed to murder and are like frequenting prostitutes and like all this stuff. Like it's kind of like a lot and... for a kid to witness. So I was just like, well, how also... how would you explain that to like you know how would you. How would you explain, like, people murdering a lifelike human being in front of you? <laughs> also, they're dealing in rape fantasies. And, and yeah! Stuff. Yeah, that's so, heavy I mean, shit. I would know, assume... It, keeping... it didn't seem like they were keeping one group away from the other group, necessarily. Oh, you didn't think so? I thought that they were. It felt like when the kid showed up, it was this very idyllic scene by a river with the horses and the painting, you know, Dolores' painting, and it's like, hey, you want to touch? You want to pet the horse? Like, the petting zoo area of the zoo. Like it I was... figured you could go freely around the whole park and do what you please. Uh, I think you probably can, but if you're bringing a child there, there's probably recommendations of don't take your kid to the saloon. Bring your kid yeah. over to where the horsies are. Let him pet the horsies. Yeah, but Ed Harris seemed to be able to go wherever, and wherever somebody like that is going, you know, the kid is not safe. It's not, like, safe for child, you know. I guess it doesn't, it doesn't if, matter. Because they you guys track Ed Harris. Away after this, so. Yeah, I mean, but it's still, like, it's still, like, what, what are the, it's still confusing about the rules and stuff, I guess. Well, you've brought up jurassic park several times which was also yeah. written by michael Crichton. yeah he definitely has this thing about theme parks that go wrong <laughs> yeah maybe he's had a really bad experience at disney world maybe when he was a kid <laughs> his ant farm got out of control oh <laughs> well, do you say, think uh... that the sorry do you think that the itchy and scratchy episode of the Simpsons, where itchy and scratchy robots rebel and attack. Do you think that's based on Westworld? Oh, it might be. Probably. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Steven? Sorry. Uh, so we hadn't talked about uh, Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins. Those are mm-hmm. like two powerhouse performances. And I really enjoy the things that are um, kind of the politics outside the park that are going on. And specifically those two, you know, Jeffrey Wright and Anthony Hopkins. Also, like uh, Simon Quarterman, who plays uh, Lee Sizemore. You know, I, I like that guy. <laughs> you like? You, do you like the actor or the character? Yeah, I like both. So uh, both. So in this one, I, I did catch that he's he's trying to um, do his like cannibal cultist um, uh, scenario, and it got it gets shot down. But we actually do see that cannibal cultist later on in the series. <laughs> I was just like, that's a callback from episode one. That's awesome. <laughs> and he had this he had this big speech prepared uh, mm-hmm. when they rob oh, yeah. um, the saloon, and it gets shot down immediately. And that poor Simon has no luck. <laughs> <laughs> I fell for him. <laughs> He'll get but to yeah. hear it tomorrow. Yeah. Had the same thought. Needed a little sunshine before turning in. So, when do you get to rotate home again? If you're this bad at writing small talk, how the fuck did you get your job? Get to the point. I wanted to apologize if I came across as, uh, aggressive. 
And I wanted to talk to you about the update. The problem's been resolved. There should never have been an update in the first place. Ford and Bernard keep making the things more lifelike. But does anyone truly want that? Do you want to think that your husband is really fucking that beautiful girl or that you really just shot someone? This place works because the guests know the hosts aren't real. So what exactly are you suggesting? Stop the updates altogether. Maybe even roll them back a bit. Make the hosts more manageable. Lobotomies tend to do that. Think of the benefits. In terms of design time, maintenance, costs. Not to mention the Dr. Ford factor. The guy's going to chase his demons right over the deep end. I mean, no one respects him more than me, but at some point... No one respects him more than I. Your pronoun is the subject of the second class. I was saying... You were saying, should our fearless leader have a breakdown, you want to leverage it for your career. Listen, changing other guard is long overdue. I just wanted you to know that you have my support. And that I know that the corporation's real interest in this place goes way beyond gratifying some rich assholes that want to play cowboy. So those um, those guys that you know, I really enjoy all that, they're, they're outside of the park, right? They're kind of removed from our protagonists, our main, main characters. And so there is a little bit of a disconnect there. And... Um, the like they're they're two different plots. I they're I think the problem with this show is that there's multiple plots going on. They don't really connect or they don't seem to easily connect. Um maybe they do at some point, but um like the and the motivations are different for each uh, there's not like a, a strong central motivation for these characters. They they kind of have their own things going on, especially with um um uh, Anthony Hopkins character. He, he's so mysterious in what he's trying to do. Like he introduces these reveries and he doesn't explain what they are or what they do or why. And I don't think he ever does. He, he, he just seems, he seems like he wants to recapture childlike wonder. He's just like John Hammond all over again. I, I actually made a note of wondering whether he was trying to sabotage things. That was my read too. I got a sinister vibe from him. That he just I, put some he secretly injected some code into the, into all of this and and everyone's just totally well, no, not everyone is totally okay with it. But that he could do that seems preposterous. I didn't get a sinister vibe, but I got a a like he had his own agenda and he was I, I didn't get the idea that he was, you know, like trying to do something bad necessarily, or at least that he considered bad. But I definitely got the idea that he was up to something. He's definitely up to something. Yeah. But considering these hosts uh, have access to weapons and the guests are vulnerable, to introduce any sort of code into them that could give them more autonomy true seems like a really bad idea and you wouldn't do that if you're him unless you wanted something to happen that mm. would could possibly have bad consequences did you see it no give it a second she'll do it again her finger that's not standard 
I noticed it last night. When looking in the update, it's a whole new class of gestures. But if we didn't put it there, then who did? Ford. He still reviews every update before we issue them. He must have slipped it in there without telling anyone. He calls them reveries. The old gestures were just generic movements. These are tied to specific memories. How? The memories are purged at the end of every narrative loop. But they're still in there, waiting to be overwritten. He found a way to access them, like... uh, Like a subconscious. A hooker with hidden depths. Every man's dream. It's the tiny things that make them seem real. That make the guests fall in love with them. Now, Matt, you watched the, the original movie. I did watch the original movie. I'm surprised that you did that. I'm, I'm, Why I'm you... happy for it. Oh, because you can do homework, but I can't do homework. <laughs> so in the original movie, it was just a computer virus that uh, causes the host to malfunction, right? So in this, this reimagining of Westworld, I do like that it was a purposeful addition to the coding that created um, the, the chaos, Right, that it, that it wasn't an accident. It was it was purposefully done. Mm-hmm. So I do like that that change, that small little change. Yeah the um, the original movie. I was actually surprised by um, by this because I remember when the original movie came out, and it wasn't you know like I don't remember it being greatly received. Um, maybe I don't remember correctly but it was not i don't remember it being met with great uh enthusiasm by the masses or the critics i think that's what makes it prime for a reimagining or a reboot if you will yeah. because the concept is so good that okay now's your chance to execute it really well they yeah. almost got there in the movie and the movie surprisingly is pretty good and it's not that different than the first season of this show. Obviously, with 10 episodes and a lot more production do- dollars, they're doing a lot more thing. They're spinning a lot more plates. But it all goes, it all starts and stops at the same places, and it all hits the same kind of beats. And I thought that the movie was going to just be inside the park, and that the difference of the show was going to be, okay, now we're going to see what it's like on the outside of the park. But it's actually not the case at all. In the television show, in the pilot here, they recreate a scene from the movie in which hosts' remains are collected by employees in like hazmat suits and taken out of the park and then repaired. So all of that happens in the movie just as it happens in the show. Does that happen every day, and do they repair them, or do they completely remake them? Or do they just stick them in that creepy, moist room? Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything's moist with you t- today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, Mel is just enjoying saying the word moist. Is that, is that your word, word of the day? Uh, it's a disgusting word. I think they repair them and then they put them back out. But yeah, we, we know they repair them because they retain the memories, or at least some of the hosts retain the memories of previous previous days, and that that yeah, part like that's part of the problem. Program. If I think like that's part of programs, it. You could you could transfer them to a new body, I would assume, but maybe so not. So you just said like a couple of of interesting things I want to touch on. First is that the the constant wiping of memory, they seem to get progressively lazier about it. And that's why, that's another reason why things go haywire. 
is all these repressed things are, are bubbling to the surface because they haven't wiped it properly. They haven't wiped the hard drives all the way. They've left residual data on there. And that's a big oops. And then the the second thing, uh, the transferring into new bodies thing, that's another reason why I really grew to dislike this show is that they play around too much with who's a host and who isn't. That person you thought was a human, they're really a host. That person you thought was a host is a host but has the memories of a different host. And all these plot lines that you think are happening simultaneously, guess what? One of them's happening in the past, and the other one's happening in the future. And what's real and what isn't? And whose motivation is what? And it's all mysterious, and it just becomes this like incredibly complicated thing that where the show thinks it's being really smart, and I think it wants me to take the time to figure it out, but for a show that is just so cynical and violent, I don't want to. Hmm. And yet I like the trappings of it so much. I love the premise and the cast and the production and the music. and it. But it's just a mess. It's so messy. It's just really badly plotted, is my opinion. So does it basically turn into, like, Cylons at some point? Like, who's a Cylon, who's not? I think uh, Battlestar did that so much better. <laughs> the Cylon, the paranoia of of what it means to be a, a machine versus a human. Because that, that show... Uh, BSG, Battlestar Galactica, hits the same beats as this. And I think it does it better. You know, I, when you were talking about that, it really made me start remembering what the rest of the season was like. And I don't remember that being a problem for me. Um, I was ready to watch the second season. What I noticed on this one today was that it just seemed, it was kind of what Stephen was saying uh, before, that it just seemed like there was a lot of introduction and not a lot of content, really. It didn't seem to really go anywhere, per se, other than the fact that she hit a fly. Um I'll, I'll tell you what was needed for this episode, this first episode anyway. You needed a, uh introductory character that the audience could follow. Um, and in the movie, in the, in the original movie, um, there, there was this human guy that uh, was new to the park and, you know, uh, wide-eyed entering the park for the first time. And you kind of followed him around. He was your protagonist, right? So in this series, you don't get in the first episode, but you get in the second episode where they introduce William as a character, um, and it's his first time into the park, and you kind of follow William. Um, so at least for that second episode, you do have that introductory character that you can follow around, but then that goes off the rails as well um, pretty quickly. But um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hate having that insight of how quickly this this show goes off the rails. So the <laughs> it's a major bummer because all of the the elements are there. It's like I wish somebody had looked at the scripts and been like, uh, maybe they did. I did. Are these out of order? Did you drop a bunch of pages onto the ground and pick them up? And because nothing nothing makes sense here. But I really but the like it. Good but at least, right? <laughs> what the movie's good at least, right? I thought the movie was surprisingly good. Um, okay. I know it's a classic. Maybe that's yeah. all we need. It, it is dated. I mean, it, it looks 
it looks like a nineteen seventy three movie. Like, so. Some sort of neat um, effect. Well, not effect, but just a little photography trick with the similar to Blade Runner. Didn't they do that with the eyes of yeah. the? Um, yeah, they're those... all kind of pixel pixel vision. Yeah, that. that oh no, looks... I mean like oh. I mean like when you're looking at them, when you're looking at their face. Oh yeah, their oh yeah, yeah, they do. They have these eerie yeah. silver sheen eyes. Yeah, oh. they did that in Blade Runner too, but they didn't do that in this, did they? No. No. Yeah. That was a cool effect. I, I should have kept that. <laughs> I mean, maybe they ought to just as a safeguard, so you could definitely tell who's a guest and who's a host. Yeah, yeah, that could have been the thing that they that they do. Uh, but the movie at the end, Yul Brenner's character, barely a character, uh, really goes full Terminator too. Goes real Robert Patrick, like even does the little sprinting, fast sprinting <laughs> thing down the hallway. And he gets acid thrown in his face, and he gets set on fire. And Jeez. and and the the fire effect, like the fire stunt effects, are so good. Like it's I want to see this. It's very violent and very ghoulish. And yeah, I thought the movie was pretty solid. It it is dated in terms of like the technology in the future. Apparently, we sit in front of ro- like rows of tape recorders spinning around and. <laughs> And when we do our work, uh, we're looking at like 3D models of lines on the screen, and like that's that means something. <laughs> those lines, those red, green, blue lines dancing around on the screen—that's what it's like looking at a computer in the future. I love, I love anachronistic. Uh, yeah, uh, Views of the future. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three shells. <laughs> it's a Unix system. I know this. <laughs> So what are we recommending here? Are we recommending to watch the first season and then stop there? I, I, watch I think the movie. <laughs> <laughs> go watch the movie. Just words, anachronism. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of dead weight in the in this season, though. Uh, the finale is pretty good. It's definitely the first episode and the last episode are probably the strongest too, in my memory. Uh, Last episode is where it gets super violent, but it is, at least it's payoff for what they're building toward. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I'd recommend this show. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Which sucks because there's so much about it that is really intriguing, but it just becomes such a clusterfuck of ideas and plots. You know, a lot you're of really affecting. People. Sorry, you're really affecting, like, you know, would you keep watching this? Like you, that, you know, you yeah, always ask sorry. us like that question, and you're really affecting it. <laughs> well, I'm surprised actually, Stephen, that you're not more excited to talk about this. Well, you've had your I, criti- you've got some criticisms, uh, and they sound a lot like mine. So what what am I missing yeah, here? I think I think I've soured a little bit more on this show as time gone has gone on, right? So. When we did that review of second season, uh, we were th- uh, full of uh, wonder and you know theories and like, oh, who's is that? Uh, is that that person? What what's going on? We were, we were like uh, all excited, and um, I finished season two. That's I'm I'm gonna leave that at that. Uh, season three is a wild departure from this first season. Because uh, it doesn't take place in Westworld, it takes place in the real world. It's wildly different. Um, they don't even try to try and go back. So I don't know what season four is going to be. 
really. Mm-hmm. Like, do they try and go back to Westworld? Um, I I don't know how that would work. It almost needs a complete reboot at this point to to get it back on track because it's it's pretty off the rails. Is there any? Did you see the um, the show Humans? No. Okay. Did anybody see the show Humans? I nope. not. No. Okay. Because I was just when you had said that they're in the the real world, and I I assume that they are trying to keep from being captured and sent back or whatever. Um, it kind of made me think of of uh, what humans is about. That uh, it's it's also a group of androids or of or some such as that who become sentient and then have to deal, you know, have to deal with everything about, about that and trying to set up their own society or life or get away from, from, uh, humanity pretty much. I have to warn her. Warn her. Dolores. The things you do to her. I have to protect her. I have to help her. I, I, she's got to get help. Very good, Mr. Abernathy. That's enough. This behavior, we're miles beyond a glitch here. Access your current build, please. What is your name? He's a rose. He's a rose. What is your itinerary? To meet my maker. Ah. Well, you're in luck. And what do you want to say to your maker? Shall have such revenges on you both the things I will do, what they are, yet I know not, but they will be the terrors of the earth. I think the one thing this this first season has going for it is the acting, right? I, I, I like a lot of the actors. Um, oh yeah, you know, the I, acting is excellent. Um you know, Evan Rachel Wood is a powerhouse. She's spectacular. She, you know, the the way she she goes from that um, like affected voice where she's kind of speaking in a Western drawl, and then you know they they tell her to turn off, you know, turn that I like off, that shit off. She, yeah, turn that <laughs> <it> off. <laughs> and she she does it on a dime, and uh, uh-huh. that always amazes me. Um, uh, in this episode, you get Abernathy. Oh, right? he's so good. Who so is that good. actor? And we, the the problem, uh, uh, Lewis Hertham, Hertham. Um, but the problem with that is you you don't ever see him again, really. I mean, it's just in this one episode and this the great acting. 
that he does. And he drops the, the famous lines of um, these violent delights have violent ends. Mm. Right. And that, yeah. that, that theme continues. The, those words are, are spoken like a mantra throughout the, the different seasons. Uh, so that, that's where this originates from Abernathy. I love him. Right. Um, He's Hopkins. been in so many things, and he did did such an amazing job. It's yep. so eerie the his little ticks and movements. He mm. he's such a haunted character. Talking After, about are we the dad, about the bank robber. No, oh, I'm talking about the dad. yeah, the dad. Okay. The dad yeah. finds this this photograph of what I assume is Times Square, and he has no way to recognize what he is, what what he's looking at, and it just breaks his little poor robot brain, <laughs> and they have yeah. to put him in cold storage. Or the moist room, and uh, <laughs> but before they before they box him, to use uh, BSG terms, uh, he just gives that great performance. It's yeah. Like, I was all in after this first episode. I was like, oh, this is great stuff. Who was the other creepy one? Oh, the other creepy guy was the guy that they were trying to like to fix where they discovered that oh, the guy the, the, the guy, the guy who was like leading people on a tour or whatever and then he had a robo stroke but his tics <laughs> were so creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did. Yeah. It. Uh, there were a, there was a lot of really good acting in this. Yeah. Act, you know, there really yeah, was. It was yeah. one of the things I made a note of. Um, as we were going through, it was really impressive. Uh, want to point out that that murderous outlaw with the milk was portrayed, uh, was played by Stephen Ogg, who was Trevor in Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, I recognized him because <laughs> he, he just looks like Trevor. <laughs> yeah, he just looks like him himself. But you know, that's an open world game full of violence. <laughs> it's not that there's a kind of little parallel there. Between what you can do in Grand Theft Auto Five, like run over people with your car, beat up Grand people on the street, it, it it's a Westworld for sure. It is, it, and are we complicit in like in that? I mean, what if the avatars in that game could feel could feel us running them over with our cars, and like the joyful glee as you run them over? Woo! I have to go this fast. I have to. I have to get gold medal in this mission. <laughs> And I have to finish Jeez. it in under two minutes. I have to run these people over. I just have to. I have to rip this elephant apart. I just have to. Uh, um, <laughs> another thing that I thought about, um, when the show pulls back from Westworld into the control room and you see the like the map of the park below, mm-hmm. made me think of the Truman Show. And mm-hmm. the Truman mm-hmm. Show co-starred Ed Harris... So that he was in the God role, and there's parallels between Westworld and the Truman Show, and the idea of autonomy and suppressing instincts and making everything artificial. And that way, just made me think. Let's go the watch Show. the Truman Show. Yeah, that I was a great a movie. movie. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's stop this podcast and go watch that. <laughs> there were about three other movies that I've been thinking of that you know, as you were talking about. You know, the Truman Show, it's like, okay. And there was also, and some of them, like, have escaped my mind now. But, uh, yeah, there's, you know, there's so many of these. Even going back to The Prisoner, way back. um, You guys know The Prisoner, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, 
Yeah, even going back to the prisoner and having, you know, my son and I were talking about that earlier today and like, you know, um, and uh, the whole Mockingjay thing, the the Hunger Games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's got a similar sort of environment that's been created and the, you know, the overlords looking at the map and that whole thing. And Cabin in the Woods, the Joss Whedon movie. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. We're all puppets. <laughs> We're all puppets. We're all puppets. Mm. She's barely in this first episode, but Thandie Newton plays Maeve, the head, like, madam of the bar, the saloon. That's who that was. I was surprised that, I was like, why is she so underused? (laughs) She's, she's such a well-regarded actress. I was like, she's barely in this first episode. And she becomes, I would say, the second lead of the show going forward. Like, at least in the second season. They they give her a lot more to do, but I'm just mentioning her because number one, she's probably the most likable person on the show. Uh, number two, her counterpart in the movie was played by Majel Barrett. Oh, oh really? Right. <laughs> huh. Cool. I did not know that. Same. Yeah. Do you think that a Western theme park like this holds any relevance for anyone really? Like, if this was Star Wars land, sure. Much more popular. But who wants to go to a Western... Southerners? I mean, no, but I mean, you played you played anybody that played Red Dead Redemption. Yeah. Okay. Right? I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah there's lot lots of, of people who like cowboys. A lot of people, a lot of people love cowboys. And a lot of people, like, they have this romantic idea of what it was like to live in that time. So they would just want to, because it was such a short time period, right? Very, very short. Yeah, and it's just so it's just so romanticized. This uh, this show needed some cameos from well known uh, uh, Western actors. Yeah, like 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 your Timothy Elephants. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny you bring Elephants, that up, Timothy Elephants, because the Sweetwater, which is the main town of the show, was filmed at Melody Ranch in Southern California where Deadwood was filmed. Nice. Of course it was. And I assume that all of those, uh, all of the backgrounds that were from uh, the, oh, what do you call it? Monument Valley were all just CGI. Could have been. Had to have been, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. I mean, maybe they went there, went on location. Because I was reading about some filming locations in season three, and they did go to Singapore. So maybe they oh, did cool. pack some equipment up and, and shot some remote stuff. And It's always, it's always funny when you recognize uh, sets and locations from one show in another. Like? Oh, like, uh, well... The good place in Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, the I mean, Monument Valley was used was such an iconic thing for, you know, all the John Ford westerns and you know all of that that you know it made sense that they would they would use it as a backdrop for a, you know a park like this. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. In the movie, they say that it costs a thousand dollars a day to visit Westworld. So, in 2021 money, it would be six thousand two hundred sixty dollars a day. Holy shit! Is that all? <laughs> and did you think it'd be more? I thought inflation would make it more. That's still a lot of money to go LARPing, yeah. Western LARPing. That's a lot of money to. Well, I, <laughs> it's a lot of money for us. Yeah, but a thousand dollars, nineteen seventy-three, was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's. I mean, well, I knew people who had a an apartment in New York City for sixty dollars a month in nineteen seventy three. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's just the cost of the ticket. There's also uh, you probably have to pay money for uh, for merch and food drinks. and alcohol. You got to pay those drinks. drinks. Yeah. yeah, it's probably not all inclusive. No. There's probably a a little wristband underneath your coat, your frock, where you have to scan it every time you want a drink at the Mariposa. <laughs> it's $13 a drink, unless you get the drink package. Wouldn't it be funny with if they actually had you tipping people? Because they're not people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, tip for service. Well, um, if you're in the, if you're role-playing, I suppose maybe you, you would want to. One of the funny emails in the Westworld VR game is between two co-workers where the one co-worker says, I'd like to go into the park. What's the employee discount? And the other one says, oh, it's barely anything. To which the first guy says, well, I'm going to sneak in. And the second guy said, uh, that's not a great idea, but security is terrible, so you might get away with it. <laughs> we have a problem? We have some unscheduled activity. Evidently, one of your creatures is restless. In the park? No, sublevel 83, cold storage. You should be cautious. Send a response team, full armor. I'll take care of it myself. I think you guys enjoy playing dress up as much as the guests. The hosts can't hurt you, by design. You don't have kids at home, do you, Bernard? No. If you did, you'd know that they all rebel eventually. You'll forgive them for being a little uptight. Every time your team rolls out an update, there's a possibility of a critical failure. We don't update the hosts in cold storage, and the park hasn't had a critical failure in over 30 years. Meaning we're overdue. I'll go along, too. If it's one of mine, I might be able to help. They're only yours until they stop working, Bernie. Then they're mine. All right, we have feedback for Westworld. This is from Harold. Matt, why don't you read this one? Scoot over, Mel. No! He's got to swallow first. He's eating. He's eating. I'm snacking. He's snacking on chocolatey things. Oh, gross. Take a drink. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Disgusting. There's some more editing for you. Um. (laughs) He's going to keep that in. Uh, Just to shame you. Yeah. And he did. I'm familiar with this concept, having recently watched the 1970s movie for the first time. The biggest change is that the movie, in the movie, the point of view characters were guests, particularly one played by Richard Benjamin, who was thrilled to get into a barroom gunfight with the man in black. But then things take a turn for the worse. Oh, sorry. I added words there. <laughs> but then th- things take a turn when the robots go on the fritz and the man in black relentlessly hunts him down. Terminator style. 
Oh yeah, that's that's kind of a difference uh, between this and the movie, right? Like the man in black is a a host in the movie, and he's a guest in this, right? That is true. Yeah. That is a swap. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it makes sense in that a TV version, the writers would want to switch the focus recurring characters such as the robots and the management instead of the guests. But by doing so, they gave up the chance to introduce everything through the eyes of newcomers. That's what Steven said. Another... Hmm? Yeah. That's what Steven said, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll stop interrupting. That's all right. Another downside is that the robots, at least in this early stage, before everything goes totally haywire, don't have much personality, and we didn't spend enough time with the management team to get to know them. Also, it wasn't clear who was a real person and who was a visitor, or how those weapons work. Do the guests have working guns? Were the uh, were those safe robbers robots or guests who were killed by accident? I'm not sure. Kitty, stop scratching the wall. Um, Harold didn't say that, by the way. No, <laughs> he wrote that in his email. Um, those are not fatal flaws, but hopefully they get resolved within the next few episodes. Another potential problem is baked into the concept. In the early 70s, it made sense that young adults would have fantasies of the Wild West, since they would have grown up watching Westerns. Westerns, Westerns have not been part of mainstream film or TVs since the early 70s. What person born after 1980 would find this enticing? They might. Again, I, I don't know. Just certain weirdos like us. Deadwood, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Deadwood or, yeah, like like I said earlier, Red Dead Redemption, like a lot of people played that. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's still not nearly as popular as it used to be. But... Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the yuckiness factor. In the in the movie, there were three word worlds the guests could visit. This uh, this world is too dominated by male fantasies involving sexual content, conquest and violence. Ideally, they would have ditched the Wild West. Then theme theme, <laughs> uh, but then what is the point of using this IP without the West Park? Uh, but they could have added in added another world that would appeal to women to balance it out. That is why seeing that married couple with the emasculated husband type in this world was so jarring. What were they doing there? They felt so out of place. I was also wondering, Dandy Newton, a star who gets second billing, was barely in this. Uh, having said that, overall, I liked the pilot episode. It was a fairly good high-concept episode. I love the final shot of Dolores slapping at the fly. That had me wanting to watch another episode. The highlight for performance was the scene with the father robot getting more and more menacing as he was threatening Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> On the other hand, I have a hard time seeing how this material has enough ideas to make it through multiple seasons. I give this 7 out of 10 coffinated bandits. Uh, update. After writing this, I watched the second episode, which pretty much addresses all of my issues about the pilot. I think they made a mistake by not starting off with the two guests entering the park, which would have allowed them to introduce how everything works through those characters. Mm. I wonder if they just didn't want to make the first episode so much like the movie. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. wanted to, maybe they thought that people who watched this would have seen the movie and they wanted to have, make it absolutely clear, we have a perspective on this that's different than the movie. Right. That's the one to make Dolores the main character, not not William and uh, Logan. 
Right. Right. The the two guys that come into the park. So right. yeah. Uh yeah, Fanny Newton, she's got a lot more to do later on. She's pre- a pretty big deal in the show. So very strange how underused she is in this. Would have loved to have seen more of her, but she, you'll if you keep with it, you'll get a lot of her and she is arguably the best thing about it, in my opinion. Other parks, we know there's at least two other parks, right, Stephen? There's the yeah, uh, there's a, like a Shogun, Japanese Shogun uh, era park. And then there's a Indian, like um, Bengal Tigers type park. Where I'm going with that. Yeah, sort of a India colonized by the British era. Yes, yes. Kind of park, yeah. What type of park would you all want? That's a great question. Jurassic. (laughs) (laughs) What dinosaurs to kill you? Okay. (laughs) I think I back in the day I would have loved a medieval Middle Ages kind of park. Oh, wasn't Um, there wasn't there some rumor that uh, a Game of Thrones would have been slipped in there at some point? Like there was, but I think that was a fan request that was sort of like oh wouldn't it be cool if one of the worlds in westworld was westeros, westeros yes <laughs> and uh they could just reuse the sets and costumes and things from game of thrones as a like that would be a fun like in joke thing and it probably would have been cool the movie yeah. has the medieval park and michael Crichton wrote that book timeline which is essentially people going back into the past until they got gets out of control. So, of course. Uh, I don't know what I would want today, though. As a hmm. as a park to visit, a theme. A, where would I want a LARP? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? Karate park, uh-huh. Matt. <laughs> giant mecha park. <laughs> mm. That's scary. <laughs> I want to pilot a giant mecha. Does anyone else have any parks they would want to go to? I don't want to go to any. Ancient They're Greece all... Park. No, no, terrifying. thank you. No, that's too creepy. I don't like it. You don't want to hold off the uh, Persians at uh, Thermopylae? It's... Thermopylae? Why? Why? It's <laughs> no. I mean, it's almost like which holodeck program would you like to run? Yeah, basically. I don't know. I just don't like... I don't like the the creepiness aspect of this show turn, turned yeah, me off it's immediately. I yes. think now that I'm thinking about it, I would like to, like a Roaring Twenties park. Mm-hmm. That in might fact, be fun. we had something like that in San Francisco. It was a a fake speakeasy. You you get dressed up in the clothing. Or if you don't have it, they'll give you some. You meet cool. a person on the street, and they give you like a like a secret coordinates that you're supposed to go to 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 go to this back entrance. And then you knock on the door, and they let you in. And then you're amongst actors, and the actors are carrying out storylines while in front of you, and you follow them around the building, the venue. You listen to the showgirls talking amongst themselves. You listen to the gangsters. You you know it's like you're eavesdropping on these characters and they have storylines just like the storylines in Westworld. Hmm. And you can sort of interact with them and improvise, but they really, they have a set little path that they follow. And while you're there, you can drink and and fake gamble and, and pretend like you're in a a speakeasy in the 1920s. 
So the thrill is the thrill is pretending that it's illegal to get drunk. <laughs> the, the, well, <laughs> the thrill is is the role playing. You're, no, I know. You're, you're role playing with with the actors who have the characters in the storyline. It's very much like this, and I think that would be a fun fun experience to have a park that's kind of like that, like New York in the in the twenties. That would be fun. Uh, that like, time travel that, thing. That sounds fun. I mean, I think I think the. Uh, because I was going through all different eras and places and stuff, and and I kind of was feeling the same way Mel was as far as, like... I just don't want androids to be involved. I want real people to be involved. Right? You, I just, don't, you just want a LARP. I just want a LARP. Yeah, I don't need, like, this, like, weird shit about androids. That, that's just allowing people to do shit that they wouldn't be allowed to do otherwise. Like rape people and kill yeah. people. Like that's just gross. Yeah. yeah. I don't have any desire to do stuff, you know, or see stuff or be involved with, you know, <laughs> violent stuff or whatever. It's just not, you know, not my thing. And to Harold's point, what women would want to, what would like to go to this park? <laughs> Which park? Westworld. West- what women would like to? Yeah, I don't which, know. There was a woman there. There was a few women there. As guests, yeah, he's there. I mean, that there that's was a, a woman. Draw there was. Right there. Oh yeah, then the woman that came with the guy, and she's like, "Yay, husband! You killed the guy! Yay!" Yeah, gross. And then yeah, there was like those women that were like drooling after the Teddy. Teddy. The they were like, right. "Oh, like he's hot." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Ugh." Yeah. Well, I guess I mean, the storylines are crafted. There's uh, there's enough storylines crafted that you could find one that appeals to you. Like you could do the bank robbery and be on the train, or be the sheriff, or be the bank robber, or you know, there's enough little areas yeah. of the park that you could go and explore and do something tailored to you for you. Yeah, but I don't want it to feel that real. Mm-hmm. Like, I think these yeah. kinds of things, like they want you to feel like you're really there. And I, I would just wa- still want to be aware, like, oh, yeah, like, this is fake. Like, I don't want to be completely... Im- Maybe some people might want to be completely immersed in it, but I don't. I still want to be, like, at the end of the night, like, you know, you you know it's not real. I don't know. It just felt too... It felt too real. Like, for, that, for them to, like, kill those people and then string them up in a coffin and, and pose with them, like, they just went on a big game hunt, like... Uh, yeah, it's ghoulish. Yeah, it's cr- yeah. Yeah. gross. Yeah, and Absolutely. it is what people used to do in the real old west, um, which is why I really wouldn't want to visit most older societies mm-hmm. because they were generally violent and gross and 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 sexist and classist and and. People did not live well, generally. Yeah, it is kind of unbelievable that uh, oh, any women would be like, hey, let's go for fun, visit a place where I have no rights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I really want to go to some place where I'm treated like shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so excited to do that. Yeah. <laughs> to pay, I mean, uh, pay a lot of money to get treated yeah. like shit. Yes. <laughs> but, you know... Matt's whole thing about like visiting a 1920s speakeasy that could be fun you know I mean Mm -hmm. something like that 
you know, could be fun where we're not dealing with, okay, you know what I would not want is to visit a 1920s speakeasy where there was a whole murder thing going on. But I would be, I would be even interested in going to a Western town as long as it's, I know that it's actors and not like these like simulated androids that, you know, yeah, that people feel like they can do whatever to. There are those, there, there used to be anyway, those, they were mostly for kids and stuff, but you know, where they'd have the whole, um, Western town with the, the actors and all of that, Mm. which is probably where Michael Crichton got the idea and then expanded on it and made it, you know, more science fiction. Well, if you wanted something like that for South by Southwest, HBO spent four months recreating Sweetwater as an experience that they hired 60 actors, six stunt people, five bands and six local horses and brought Westworld to life. A script of a 90 minute experience that ran over 440 pages long. Wow. Yeah. I wouldn't be interested in it. Guests were free to explore Sweetwater at their own pace. Go into the saloon. Shoot people. Yeah, it doesn't say that. <laughs> doesn't say that. That wasn't part of it. But you know, rape is optional. Mm. I don't know. I it, it's it's not it's not really my thing. Um, but you know, well, it doesn't look like anything to me. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for the feedback, Harold. Yes, thank you. Thank you, Harold. All right, sweetheart. Can you hear me? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling quite myself. Who's the accent? Do you know where you are? I'm in a dream. That's right, Dolores. You're in a dream. A dream that could determine your life. Do you want to wake up from this dream, Dolores? Yes. I'm terrified. Nothing to be afraid of. As long as you answer my questions correctly, you understand? Yes. Good. First, have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? No. Is anyone around you, for instance, your father? He was scared. He wasn't thinking right. Showed you a picture. That's right. Is there anything odd about that picture? No, nothing at all. Didn't look like anything to me. Unless anybody has anything else, I suppose we could rate it. Hmm. Nope. Hmm. Yeah, we can rate it. Who goes first? I think the guest should go first. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's make the guest go first. Yeah. Uh, so I did have, so I do like this episode. When when it first aired, I really uh, liked the town of Sweetwater. I, I wanted to be a guest in Sweetwater and uh, go exploring and do that uh, multi uh, massive online role playing. I guess it wouldn't be online. It would just be, you know. Uh, but it's... Um, Really, uh, the the world building 
was pretty spectacular and and how these what these hosts um created an environment that i i did want to explore um I think it did need uh, that second episode where it kind of introduces a, uh, a human uh, person for the audience to follow. So if you're going to watch, if you're going to watch this episode, watch the next episode and kind of get the full picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and recommendation is just to watch the first season and probably stop after that. Stop, stop while you're ahead, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, my enjoyment of the first episode does get soured a little bit from knowing how the other seasons go. So it, I, I can't in good conscience rate it on its own. Um, but I'll, I'll give it, um, oh, what is it? Um, uh, give it a six out of 10 violent delights. Sure. Nice. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Somebody has to volunteer, I guess. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of of all my points I would want to make in my recap because I've got so many thoughts on the show. I guess I'll go. Uh, love the premise, love the setting, the acting, the production, the music. There's so much on the that's sort of like on the edges of the show that are interesting and thematically intriguing. I think Battlestar Galactica did better, but it's still like when you're talking about free will and all of that, that that's there's a lot to unpack there. I just wish it wasn't I know how it's gonna become a confusing mess and I just wish I did know that because <laughs> it's so promising. There's so much potential here and it's fun to talk about. Mm. So as the, as far as the pilot goes <sighs> I don't love that the first 15 minutes of it is so focused on those characters. And I know they're trying to set up, like, it's a loop. Like, guess what? The piano's going to start over again. She's going to wake up again. She's going to go on her loop again and go about her day, which is kind of blows your mind to think about all this dialogue that's happening between uh, robots when there's no one around to hear about it. It's like, mm. wow, there's, yeah. a lot of, there's a lot that's happening here that someone had to write and program. And... You're not even here to listen to it, so that's intriguing. There's but a lot that logically that, doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, the idea is that somebody's going to catch it eventually. I right, assume. I suppose. Right. It's like when people, you know, do script character uh, dialogue between NPCs in video games, and you overhear a little bit of their conversation, but they really just say one or two things, and then they just constantly repeat it. Hmm. Um. But I suppose in the future, if we're taking everything that's like in video game nature and just taking it like a hundredfold into the future, like yes, it, things would be so sophisticated that there really would be these characters walking around, having these internal lives, and it's all programmed, and and it somehow it just operates. But of course, it doesn't. It all falls apart, and you know that it's going to. And the, there's a lot of tension there. So I really do like the pilot. It's not perfect i think mostly because of the ed harris character if they just left him out of the show wouldn't it just be a better show overall he's just yes, like a spoiler would. he like he ru- yes. it's and, and sorry ed harris but your character like really ruins westworld for me i guess but it's pretty realistic unless they like 
specifically forbade that in the rules of the attraction, somebody's going to do that. No, I'm fine with the idea of a character that is living out incredibly violent fantasies, but there's way more to his character and what he's trying to do, and oh, so little of it makes sense. So oh, I'm speaking future stuff. I'm, t- I'm talking future stuff. Um, but overall, I think the pilot is really good. So I guess I'll give it nine and a half out of ten. Wow. Robots taking milk baths. That's a that's a high rating, isn't it? Didn't you? Did you not? Ex- you didn't expect that. Boy, I, did expect that. I really uh, I defied my programming there, didn't I? Yeah, you did. You did. I'm gaining after- sentience. No. After everything you've said, yeah, I really wasn't expecting that. No, I think it's a really great pilot. I again, I don't think it's perfect, but as, if I'm rating the pilot, I'd give it a nine out of nine and a half out of ten. If I'm rating the show, I'd give it like a five out of ten. Oh, that's well. I thought the pilot was fine. It was a good setup, intriguing setup. Uh, mm. I already knew the premise, so maybe it would have been a bit more surprising and mind blowing some of the reveals if I didn't know the premise. Um, but I can't hold that against it. Uh, yeah, the acting's really good. Production's really good. And it's a shame to hear what happens to it. <laughs> um, I I mean, I probably, if I had HBO, I probably would have watched more. Mm. But knowing how it ends up, I won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10 milk bellies. Milk bellies, milk. <laughs> yeah, I I also I actually really enjoyed watching that. So it's funny because when before we came on, I was like, I think this is like one of the rare times where I've enjoyed both episodes <laughs> of the twofer. Oh, like, you know when you give us like, no, did you think I was going to say where I've uh, enjoyed yep. an episode of an HBO yep. show? Yep. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> No, um, no, I actually enjoyed like both episodes. Um, spoilers uh, that we were assigned to watch. Um, I'm actually really intrigued about the movie now, though. Like, I really want to, because <laughs> it sounds great. It sounds cheesy, <laughs> and I love that. Um, I, yeah, I really, I, I agree with you guys. Like on like all the good points about it. I really liked Evan Rachel Wood's character. I thought she was fun. I'm kind of sad that she doesn't turn out to be so fun, but uh, I guess I'll I won't be watching it anyways. So who cares? Um, <laughs> I'll give it a eight out of ten. Flies in the eyes. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. I um I liked the pilot. I as I say, watching it this time, I kind of saw more of the the uh problems, but the first time I watched it, I watched the entire amount of Westworld that was available to me at the time. So, and I would have watched more. So, obviously that kind of, you know, indicates that I like I I liked it I liked the series I didn't think it was perfect or anything but I did like what I saw um the performances as everybody has said were really 
really excellent. Um, the Ed Harris character, I don't know. I don't remember how he came out in this whole thing. Um, he's, you know, I mean, he's a twirly mustache kind of a villain. <laughs> um, you know, nothing against Ed Harris. He does a great job. He was hired to play a twirly mustache kind of villain. And uh, so, I mean, overall, I would give it, let's say, an 8 out of 10 robot dreams. Oh, you made that sound dreamy. Yeah, it's like dot, dot, dot. <laughs> robot dreams. Robot dreams. Robot, robot dreams. raveries. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, what was the rating? Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Okay. Yeah. 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 Stephen is the lowest. Has I know. provided the lowest rating here. You're uh, you're going to be surprised on the next one too. Oh no. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. can move on then to talk about the second of of the two homework assignments that i foisted upon all of you uh which is big little lies and that debuted on february 19th 2017 with a teleplay by david e kelly it's directed by jean-marc valet the name of the episode somebody's dead it's based on the novel by leon moriarty an australian author lasted two seasons, 14 episodes. There probably won't be a third season. The second season uh, was invented for the show. The first season's based on the novel, and then the author came up with more storylines for the second season. It picks up right where the first season ends. But what happened in the first episode? Well, someone's going to have to tell us what happened Not me. in 60 seconds or less. It won't be Mel, thank God. <sighs> I'm sorry! You're not going to believe it. It's me. No. <laughs> yes. yes. Hmm. Let me take a drink of water. <clears throat> okay, who's going to tie me? Don't be a chump. I'll I'm not going to be a chump. 
All right. Count me down. Three, two, one, go. All right. So Big Little Eyes takes place in Monterey, and it's about a bunch of really rich people who have enormous houses overlooking the water, uh, except for one of the, the the moms in the show. She's uh, not incredibly wealthy, though she lives in a very nice house that she pays for somehow on a part-time bookkeeper salary. She's played by Shailene Woodley. She's moved to Monterey under mysterious circumstances. She's brought with her her young son. She takes her son to school on the first day where this poor little boy is accused of choking a young girl, uh, which sets off a, a bit of a firestorm. Uh, and also in the very beginning of the episode, it's teased that somebody's dead. Uh, someone's been murdered at a school fundraiser. We're not sure who yet. We don't know why. Um, but there's definitely a lot of gossiping and backstabbing and rich people being uh, mean to each other, which I always enjoy. Okay, uh, the end. 59 seconds Point six two. Oh, that's a win. That's a win. Air horn, air horn, air horn. Good. It's a win. See, see, we're practicing before the podcast gets you. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) So I have the book in front of me. I could read you the back cover. Okay, but did you read the book itself or did you just buy it? I did read the book. Okay. Oh, can't wait. So this is what I would have done. I would have just read verbatim. (laughs) A murder, a tragic accident, or just parents behaving badly. What's indisputable is someone is dead. Madeline, who is a force to be reckoned with, she's funny, biting, and passionate. She remembers everything and forgives no one. Celeste is the kind of beautiful woman who makes the world stop and stare, but she is paying a price for the illusion of perfection. New to town, single mom Jane is so young that another mother mistakes her for a nanny. She comes with a mysterious past and a sadness beyond her years. These three women are at different crossroads, but they will all wind up in the same shocking place. Big Little Lies is a brilliant take on ex-husbands and second wives, mothers and daughters, schoolyard scandal, and the little lies that can turn lethal. Oh, it seems like they stuck really close to the book. Hmm. Yes, they so, did. They did. So who dies? <laughs> no, don't spoil it. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody's dead. I'm gonna guess it was either Lord Dern or Nathaniel. Nathan. I'm guessing. Well, there was so, one moment when um, one you know one of the people who was being interviewed, uh, intent interrogated, mm-hmm. um, said that. What was the ex-husband's name? Was it Nathan? Yeah, I think so. I think they spoke about him in the past right. tense, I think. Exactly. Like, they said mm. he was a dick. <laughs> so, I don't know whether that's only because he's like not directly part of the community anymore, or because he's Dade. Dade? <laughs> Dade! <laughs> Carol. Carol, I love it. Oh, you put some mustard on that word. Uh, yes, so, I love it. So this is a spoiler that I won't tell, right? Okay. So I know who who is dead. Dade in the Dade. in the in the book. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I only watched the first episode, so I don't know if beyond the first episode that uh, the endings changed at all, or oh. who is dead is actually dead. Why don't you message show, me? So. Message me privately who dies in the book. 
<laughs> let let me ask you this: in the book, um, is it like do the, does he keep it um, like a secret who's dead for a while, or yes, is, yes, he does. Oh, well, that's interesting. Yes, so you're 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 waiting until you know the the last fifty pages to figure out who who is dead. Oh, that's really delayed. Oh, interesting. Okay, because that was one of my big questions was just how long does he keep this up, or do they keep this up with the you know who's dead thing? Mm -hmm. Are they giving you clues as to who's dead? Uh, no. So the only clues that you get are those interviews, just like in the first episode where you have the, the first person interview. I think they're, they're being interviewed by the, uh, police detective or, right. you know, some reporter or whatever. Um, yeah. and you're, you're trying to piece together all those little clues that those, you know, you know, like, uh, bystanders or outside people have, uh, you know, have heard by hearsay or, you know, I heard it was this or this, and you come to find out that all those people are just bullshit. Yeah. Right. All those, yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. just a bunch of gossipers and none of them know exactly what went on. And that's, that's gotta be so frustrating for like a police detective to interview a hundred people. And they all tell you, uh, you know, I heard that they, this person's yeah. child was a bully. And so that must be bad genes from the, from the mother. And like, Oh my God, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the ending of the first season, the detective knows or has like a pretty good idea of of well, obviously we know who's dead, but of who did it and the circumstances around it, but she can't prove it. And all she has is this noise from all these other people who are useless and they've muddied water so bad that she can't make any headway on the case and it just kind of I think that's the ending. It's sort of like nothing gets no one gets um, in jail for it, but it's it kind of. I think the detective has the idea of she knows who she knows who what done the crime. Who done? <laughs> who know what done it? What done did? Who done done did it? The detective in the show, by the way, is Francie from Alias. I just want to point that out because I've always enjoyed her. Oh, can we can we talk about the dead body? <laughs> okay, we barely saw it if we saw it at all, right? Yeah, but they were like the brain was putrefied or liquefied or what liquefied. did they say? Yep, <laughs> liquefied. Uh, yeah, what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> that was that was so weird because they were talking about the there there was like a um what some kind of um uh, what was it? It was like uh, a contusion on the skull or something. Yeah, and, and the was... brain stem. Yeah, really about uh, about like a I don't know. It was weird. It was a pretty weird thing. When they came up with the liquefied brain, I was just like, what? Yeah, yeah, I know. I was like, what? It make a lot of sense for what they had said before. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah, I was was intrigued by that. I was like, what the hell is going on in this town? I think I I just gathered that, like, whatever, like, pierced the skull did it with such force that it, like, just mangled the brain's. Oh, God. Turn them into mush. <laughs> oh, God. A horrible way to die. Well, then yeah. it would have had to have been, like, either really long or, or I don't know what. Does mm. that happen? Where you get struck so I don't know. fiercely that your brain just liquefies? Well, I, I don't know if Explosions. it was late. Explosions. Explosions can do that. Yeah. I don't know. I, if, I don't know if 
the whole brain liquefied. I thought maybe just the area around the wound. Yeah. Ugh. Said it though. It was yeah. It was like wow. <laughs> it was wow. like the entire thing had you know. It just but, sounded really intense. You might, be, you might be right. I mean, they weren't very specific about it, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, as yeah, I hadn't really thought about an explosion till we were just talking. Yeah. <laughs> well, heads are very tender. <laughs> well, the if you're close enough to an explosion. That you get the full force of the the uh, the concu- the concussive effect, it can like liquefy your organs and stuff. I kept uh, thinking with all the uh, scenes of the beach and like crashing waves against rocks that uh, this 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 body could have been you know dumped somewhere and then washed up on on shore. Like it, it could have been you know chewed by crabs or something or fish or gobbled up by fish they they didn't really go into any of that detail so it's mm-hmm. it, it does they, leave it it does leave it mysterious doesn't it? it didn't seem like they were that the body was near the water though even though they had all that i mean and what what was with the the feed on the shore yeah, but just ending suddenly i think that's jesus <laughs> oh. that's, that's what i thought <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't the crime scene like yeah, the crime scene the... wasn't near the water but right. I do like the imagery of the waves crashing against the rocks like a person's head being struck mm. over and over and over, over and again. over again yeah okay or the small ways that that the women of the show are, are being struck by all the barbs of the townspeople and just their lives and how things are slowly eroded maybe there's parallels there Mm. are you sure that it was this little boy sweetie could you have got it wrong can you say you're sorry to emma bella she's hurt quite badly it wasn't me ziggy look at me you don't have to lie we just want to say we're sorry ziggy doesn't lie I can right. assure you, Amabella is telling the truth. If my son says he didn't do it, I believe him. You know what? I, I don't know if this is the best way to deal with this. So I agree, uh, why don't but we now we are. So maybe the child needs to take responsibility for his actions. And he needs to see there are consequences. Little boys don't get to go around anymore hurting little girls. And none of us want to raise bullies. So we don't have to pretend we didn't do it. It's okay. Can you just make your son apologize? Renata, stay out of it. I can't make him apologize for something that I know he didn't do. All right, we will schedule a meeting for another time. We can handle this later. Okay, this is unacceptable. Let's go, baby. Um, All right, everyone, thank you. Not that there's a right little girl to strangle. He picked the wrong little girl to strangle. We'll see you tomorrow. Do you see her neck? If you ever touch my little girl like that again, you're going to be in big trouble. Hey, excuse me. Well, now you owe him an apology. Madeline. Renata. The battle lines were drawn right there. So the parallel that I liked was that the, um, so there's this, this mystery, mystery death, right? So we, we find that out in the first episode, somebody's dead. Uh, we don't know, um, if it was murder, accident, right? And we don't know who it is or who who killed the, that person, right? So there, right. there's a lot of mysteries to that. 
and then the other mystery is um, this uh, um, this bully at school that scratched a little girl, and we we Choke. don't yeah choked yeah we mm-hmm. we don't know if uh, I, I guess Ziggy was called out as the as the kid who did the the choking. But um, there, there's a little bit of mystery behind that, too. Was Ziggy actually the, the one who choked? And so you have these two parallel stories, these mysteries, one from the adult side and one from the kid side. And that runs through pretty much runs through the, the entire length of the books where you don't know, well, you know, either of those outcomes until the, the very end. Yeah, I mean, Ziggy seems like such a sweet kid and all of that stuff. But I started wondering if he was the reason that they had had to leave the other town and that they were, you know, um, he seemed so believable that he didn't do it. But at the same time, I kind of was like, oh, is he going to turn out to be actually like a little psychopath? A little psychopath. Well, he's a little sleepwalking creeper. (laughs) Yeah, he is. Yeah. You mean you don't stare over your 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 mother's bed in the middle of the night? You don't do that. That's... Okay, so my brother <laughs> used to sleepwalk. My youngest brother. Well, I guess I only have one brother. But anyways, he's he's four years younger than because you're because you murdered the other one. But he used to do really creepy shit at night. Like it's creepy. Like when a kid is sleepwalking. Like I can tell you stories. It's creepy. Do you want me to tell you stories? Yeah, <laughs> tell me one story. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll just quickly say, like, a couple. But anyways, there was one one time where my sister was watching TV downstairs and my bedroom was downstairs. And apparently he came downstairs, opened my bedroom door, looked in, and then my sister said he backed out, closed the door again. And then she's like, Mark, what are you doing? And then he kind of turned and looked at her and his eyes were, like, red rim shot. <laughs> like, just, like, blank. And then he just went back upstairs Another time, he threw his uh, school backpack on my parents' bed in the middle of the night. <laughs> and they're like, oh my god. That's funny. And then another time, he peed in the garbage can. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Mm. That kind of stuff. The peeing someplace is, is pretty common from what I can understand. Yeah. A friend of mine's husband sleeps walks, but I haven't heard, she hasn't told me anything about him peeing anywhere. And she would if he did. She would tell him in a second. Uh, much to everyone's horror. But um, he's he's had, like, physical accidents and stuff. Oh, wow. Uh, Seriously? Yeah, where he had... Okay. Yeah, because he's, he's tripped over things or whatever and oh. uh, got a bad gash over his eye and stuff that was oh, lucky that it was not, you know like a couple millimeters to one side and things like that. I mean, he, and he sleepwalks a lot. Like, mm. you know, he, he'll show when I stay over, like not over, but like we'll be up late, you know, talking and stuff. And her husband already went to bed and things like that. He'll show up and he'll just kind of come wandering out of the bedroom. And my friend will be pretty much like, Oh, you know, he's sleepwalking again. Go oh, back to so the You know? So and, crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I will say that unlike Westworld, the mysteries of this show 
get answered in a logical way. <laughs> they get answered. That's <laughs> that's enough right there. They get answered. Have you seen the whole thing, Matt? I have. I've watched the second season also. Okay. Which people didn't love. They didn't like the second episode or second season very much, but it I thought it was fine. It just didn't need to be really. Mm. But uh the show was filmed in Monterey. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before that cafe that they go to early on in the episode is uh it's a place I've been. It's on the Fisherman's Wharf. It's on the main pier. Though it's actually an Italian restaurant, not a cafe. It's called Paluca Trattoria. Is the main pier near the uh, near the aquarium? I don't think so. I've never been to the aquarium. Oh, you're kidding, really? No, it's oh. too expensive. It's like a crazy amount of money to go to the aquarium. Hmm. I don't know. I the last time I was there was um, I took my son there. What in? 2012, I guess. I don't know. When we went to... um can't believe it was that long ago. Um, when we went to uh, Comic-Con, and then we took a trip around California. Hmm. But, um, yeah, that... The only place, like, in Monterey proper that I've been, really, has been the the aquarium. And then I've driven around through the, you know... So it's about a 30-minute walk, and it looks like you just take the trail uh, on the waterfront trail to Cannery mm. Row, which is where the aquarium is. So 30 minutes, that's not thats not too bad. I will tell you, one difference between the book and the show is the, the book takes place in um, Australia. Oh, right, because the, the author, she's Australian, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Just like, just like Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if they got or Nicole Kidman's character was written with her in mind. I, I would believe that. Mm. That makes an Australian sense. actor, and that's maybe how they they got her got her on to this uh, this project. Yeah. The voice mentioned something about a little girl getting hurt today. Mm. You're not a Klein's daughter. She wasn't really injured. She was just... Look at this. Could they be cuter? No. I actually think this is my favorite. I love your fingers. Stop. Post it. All right. People are going to love it. (laughs) Also, what happened with that girl? The boy tried to choke her. Are you serious? Well, no one witnessed it, but... She was pretty distraught. She had marks on her neck. Which boy? This new boy, Ziggy. I mean, he seemed really sweet. And I met his mom, and she couldn't be nicer, so... Yeah. Well, to be safe, we should tell Josh and Max keep their distance from it. I don't think that's going to be necessary. Honey, if the kid is violent... No, he's not violent. How do you know he's not violent? What, because he seemed sweet? First off, he could be innocent. Or he could be guilty. We don't want the boys to be getting mixed up with the wrong crowd. They're six. And not to associate with him. You're being ridiculous. 
stay away from that kid. Take your hand off. If I can't be here to look out for them, I need to know that you do. I asked you to remove your fucking hand. I don't think it's too spoilery to say that her character, Nicole Kidman's character, Celeste, that her husband is abusive. Uh, no, it's a, really not. Yeah, you uh, got a, yeah. you got a hint of it when he he grabs her and she's like, "Let go of me," but he he is a, a horribly abusive man. Can we also talk about how ill he is? Like his like, the the things that he tells her, I'm like, ugh. I don't know. And I love how like they kept intercutting with like, oh, mushy couples. We don't like it. But I was like, that's not mushy. That's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what he said. Yeah, what did he say? He kept talking about her beaver. <laughs> uh, no, that was a different that was a different uh husband, I think. No, wasn't, it? wasn't that No, that was it. Yeah, no, that, that was, was him. him. That, okay. was him. that was him. Yeah. Oh, okay. I missed that. <laughs> I don't know. There, I guess there was a lot of horny husbands. Oh yeah, but like just like uh, I don't know, kind of like I don't know. I was like, uh, like it just gives yeah. you like a I don't know. So yeah, no, it's it's not. Yeah. So I, yeah. I mentioned that that character um, because I want to draw a parallel between her relationship with her husband and that scene at that cafe mm-hmm. on the water, where Shailene Wood- Woodley's character is saying, "You know, I'm here, but I'm not really present." here i feel like an outsider looking in like mm. and reese witherspoon's like i don't know what you're talking about she's like i agree but i don't because i really understand <laughs> like i'm here for you but i don't get what you're saying yeah. <laughs> like, celeste do you get what she's saying and Celeste's like yeah i do because she's also that kind of person living in mm. that not quite real fragile life like she's not yeah. grounded in anything she's like glass you know it, it's it's interesting you you mentioned that scene because that that scene I really picked up on after reading the book because you know the the two characters kept you know making eye contact but not saying anything like they they right. both have secrets that they are unwilling to share uh, probably because they they just met right those two characters just met that at that point uh, but um, that there was you know some like mental telepathy if you only knew what I know. Um, right. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Yeah, you get the sense that both women have been through something, uh, and they can't talk about it out loud. But they can, yes, yeah, you said mental telepathy. They feel like a kindred spirit, and it is something real for them, you know, to bond over. Whereas Madeline lives a kind of superficial life. As much as I like her, and I do mm-hmm. quite a lot, her she she even admits, you know, what do I do? I I work part time doing community theater, like, and then I'm a mom. I'm a mom. That's like that's my whole deal. And yeah, you know, she's got a little bit of an emptiness in her too. Yeah, very but much. She, but so. she's not getting battered around. So mm, yeah, no, like she how... seems to have a really nice, supportive husband. Uh, we're talking about Reese, Reese with a Reese, spoon. Reese, Reese, Reese with a spoon. With a spoon. <laughs> yeah. Reese yes. with a with a spoon. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's her. That's her second husband. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So she she had to go through a a, a crappy first husband and a, a divorce, I suppose, in order to get to that really good place that she's at now. So I like. Weird. Oh, sorry. It it is very weird for for the new wife 
to call the two kids half sisters right when they're stepsisters stepsisters by marriage right yeah yeah they don't, they don't share any they don't share a par- any parents they do so no they don't no isn't bonnie bonnie and nathan got married and that's their daughter and then nathan was married to madeline and the oldest well, they, is their daughter so right. the older daughter and is, and bonnie's daughter are half sisters parent is the common nathan uh, nathan is the common right. parent Right, but she's talking about the two first graders being half sisters, and the first grader, the the uh, Madeline's youngest daughter, is the daughter with the new husband. That's true. I forgot that she said that those they're in class together and they're half sisters, and it's and then she says, "Do how does that math work?" And she's right. She's absolutely right. I mean. They're not it's biologically like, half sisters. They're they no, have a different kind of relationship. They, yeah, they have different mothers and different fathers. That's not, you know, that's like they're stepsisters, kind of. But the Madeline was very quick to pick up on that, right? She she had that response canned already because she had done the math herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it, it brings up, like, when you first hear it, it's like, okay, there's an odd thing going on here. But as soon as you see that she's remarried, it's like, oh, okay. And this girl is only six, and the other girl is a teenager. Oh, all right, this is a this is a kid of the new marriage. Yeah, they're not half-sisters. How, huh? Why is she even saying that they are? That doesn't make any sense. Who's saying that they are? Is Bonnie? Bonnie. Bonnie yeah. saying that they are? Is yeah. she saying that they are because she's kind of hippy-dippy? And yeah. <laughs> is a little like, they're not biologically half-sisters, but they may as well be because they were conceived around the same time and they share this, they're, they're in the same circle? Well, then why not just say they're like sisters, you know? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to they're half-sisters. I mean, that's kind of specific, I could see him saying, "Hey, they're they're almost like sisters." Mm-hmm. You know that would make more hippy dippy sense. Um, and it could be almost true, depending on how how much they've been around each other. I don't know why this younger girl would be around the others because it's not her father and it's not her mother. But I could see maybe some kind of thing with her older sister or something. I don't know. It it is it's a weird situation, and the fact that they ended up the same age and they're going the same and they're in the same class. This is my Amabella's nanny. Oh, hello. Nice to meet you. She's French. It's good for them to learn language. You know, I just thought it was nice for the nannies to get to know each other, have your own little. We're not a Jane. It's not a nanny. She's a mom. She's young. Like you used to be? Maddie. Oh, like we used to be? Yeah. Maddie, hi. Hi. I wanted to talk to you about the petition thing. About the play? There's been some concern about it being appropriate. There's a petition to stop the play? That play was kind of like a lifeline for Madeline. It, it, it tethered her to a purpose. I signed it. Excuse me! 
You signed it. I did. I didn't know you were involved. I had tension for a moment. She grew up wanting to be Betty Grable. All my first grade kiddos. Ended up Betty Crocker. Chloe, come on. And their parents, please. Hi, Chloe. I'm curious to hear how you guys liked this episode. The because I had a very strong reaction to it. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your reaction? Yeah, I hated it. Um, what? <laughs> I didn't hate it. So I, I found these all these people uh, very superficial. You know, they they were talking about how much money they made, and mm-hmm. you know, they're sending their kids to uh, it's it's like a private school with public, you know, the, with public at a costs. public price. That's yeah. That's like the price. opposite though of being. It's just, yeah, and all the gossiping that went on, like, mm-hmm. I, that is not my but, world. I don't no. want any part of it. I'm I'm not interested in watching any more of these, these backstabbing catty ladies. And so I left um, the my first viewing of this episode really distraught. Like, man, this is this. And, you know, I, I felt like I wasn't giving it a fair shake. Um, and it, it prompted me to go out and get the book. So I, mm-hmm. I bought the book. I read it through. I, I got to know the characters a little bit better and like their internal monologue and what they were thinking at the time and why they were making choices and why they were saying these kind of screwball things that um, didn't really agree with me. And I really enjoyed it more after mm-hmm. reading the book. Yeah. Um, so. I ended up watching the episode from the only the only second time uh, last night, and I only watched the first episode because I, I didn't want to go any further with that. But um, I really enjoyed it the second time going. So it's it's almost the opposite effect of you know we were talking about Westworld, how I really enjoyed Westworld the first time I watched it, and second time not so much. This one had the complete opposite reaction. Hmm. That's that's interesting. I mean, I. I agree with you about the impressions of the characters. Um, my notes as I was going through are include things like, um, I don't know, plastic two faced people, lots of money and spoiled kids. Um, you know, things like that. Um, but at the same time, I don't know whether it's, um having having wa- read enough Jane Austen and and other things like that that where i guess i'm willing to give it a chance rich people have problems and, too carol <laughs> <laughs> do. i don't think the kids were they off, do well the one madeline's kids well, but well i also have like you know they were there were some spoiled kids in there yeah I, I mean when i wrote that it was at a point when one group of kids after another was refusing to do what their parents asked them you know like i think at that particular moment it was after the older daughter had refused to leave the car and the the other family the kids had refused to put down the guns that they were shooting you know and Till the father uh, told him something or another and then offered a dollar to the first one who gets to the car. You know, yep. I mean, that. 
that kind of was what made the, you know, spoiled kids and and uh, lots of money and spoiled kids. They just but, read like kids to me. Eh. Like, teenager teenage girls are like that. They they want to hang out with their friends and not listen to their moms. Like right, little and boys might... roughhouse play with guns. They listen to what one parent does says and not the other parent. Like it it felt it all rang pretty true to me. And it didn't seem like it came from money or privilege. Just like this is this is how kids act. Um. Well, teenagers, yes, and I do have <clears throat> a note. Teenagers suck for two years or more. Or so. Um, and then later on, you know, when she had a decent talk with her mom, you know, when she was saying some really hurtful things to her mom, it was like teenagers suck. Yeah. Um, but then teenager redeemed, I have down, you know, right. like three lines later. Um, but in in that scene with uh, the teenager redeemed right they're they're at the piano kind of talking and she's like, yeah, you know, saying I'm sorry, you know, to her mom. Right. And then the little one came came in, and like mm-hmm. the focus shifted to the little one, and you can see that teenager was right back to where she was before, because she was being overlooked. Uh, and you, you gotta, it, it's a teenager for one, from right. a broken home for another, right? Right. Uh, is is bitter about this, you know, this new child in in her life that's taken all the attention away. So and yeah, a new I, dad in the kitchen, and the new dad doesn't <laughs> yeah. like the new dad. You can't tell was, me what to do. You're not my dad. I thought it yeah. was really weird when she like treated her mom like really badly, and then later she's like, "Mom, what's wrong?" <laughs> I don't think that's weird because I think teenagers act like brats because they're trying to push boundaries and you know assert themselves as their own people, and then they realize, "God, I was probably a mean to mom. Like, mom looks sad. Did I do that? Ugh, I feel bad now. Why did I do that? To I mom? do that. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no." It's, it's very true um, to some degree. I remember, I I remember when somebody said that thing about the uh, teenagers suck for two years. Um, that was told to me when I was when my son and I were having a lot of problems when he was a teenager, and I was like, "Oh, thank God! I hope you're right because it's been a year and a half." Um, start the clock yeah exactly and interestingly enough it was almost exactly two years six months later i saw a big you know big change happen and i remember i was having a discussion where he was literally saying like you know sometimes i'm mad at you and i just don't understand why i don't even know why i'm mad at you and i was like you know it's it's being a teenager um you know it's it's been rough on both of us. <laughs> Some of it's got to be chemicals too, right? Like yeah, 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 exactly. And it was weird that you know that two almost you know right around two years later, it was there was a big change and and it it came and went. It was like it was kind of like what she was doing, where you know she'd be obnoxious and then she'd be like a human being. Mom, are you okay? You're not like dying or anything, are you? No, I'm not dying. What would make you ask me that? You seem a little wobbly. You having one of your massive periods? No. No. 
What people don't tell you is that you lose your children. As beautiful and wonderful as you are now. The little girl whose curly hair I used to detangle. The one who had bad dreams and would crawl into my bed. She's gone. And I guess that's where I'm feeling a little bit. It compounded by the fact that your little sister is going to first grade. I'm losing my babies. Which has been clinically compared to a massive period, I think. I'll always be your baby. Bonnie's like a friend, you know? Maybe the best friend sometimes, but I'm... Your daughter and you're my mother. <laughs> Mom, don't cry. Don't do that, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, get it out of your beautiful face. I can still call you baby kicks, can't I? Non-public. Well, think about, think about, too, like, she was, like, putting all this pressure on her daughter. Like, she was, like, talking to her daughter about, like, you got to think about university. You got to think about this. Right. That's a lot of pressure yeah. on someone, right? So, you're, yeah. go, you're going through hormonal changes. You're mm-hmm. trying to be your own person away from your parents. You're going mm-hmm. to high school, which is, like, the worst thing ever, in my opinion. And- <laughs> yeah and then you're dealing like yeah you're dealing with all these huge life choices yep that are like you know you gotta make that choice now 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 like you know or if you wait too long you know so that's so much so much on a young person oh absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and and this may sound weird um but it's also a lot on the parents yeah it is no i know that because the the schools start doing this whole thing. I remember going to, um, I guess it was like back to school night or something in his like junior years. I think it was junior, sophomore year, may have even been sophomore year. And all of a sudden they're like telling us all what we have to do to get ready for the kids to be applying to schools. And, you know, and it was this whole assembly on, you know, what we needed to do to get our kids ready to apply to schools and stuff. And I remember just feeling like totally overwhelmed because, you know, I knew that this was not going to go well. And, well so, uh, yeah, it's not just pressure on your kid, but it's pressure on you to pressure your kid. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it was just like okay, this is not going to go well because he is not going to, you know, respond well to any of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not, the whole thing is, is it doesn't make for good family life, right, in, during that time. But you get through it. <laughs> but anyway, I enjoyed it, actually. I enjoyed, I I ended up enjoying it. I felt like the the characters were being given a lot more depth than they might have in another 
story or another production of, you know. Yeah, they felt fully formed, like right out of the box. Yeah. I understood all of their motivations and who they were as people, except for maybe Celeste. She's a little bit enigmatic. But that's only because she's been pushed down so many times by her husband that she's made to feel small, that she just is, doesn't have this big personality. Uh, and she's eclipsed by her best friend, who's like all personality. Yeah, I I didn't I don't think I had a clear picture of who all of them were, but I had a clear picture that there was there was a lot of stuff going on and this wasn't going to be um a lot of just caricatures. You know. Let's talk about my favorite scene. <laughs> oh, okay. Sla- What's that? Slash least favorite scene. Oh. <laughs> um, this teacher, what the hell? Oh, this yeah, teacher. Let's talk about that. Oh my god! This teacher yeah. gets all the kids and the parents out out in front of the school and is like, "Someone choked this little girl, and she oh, is going geez. to publicly point to the boy that did it to her, <laughs> and we're all just gonna watch this thing unfold." That was like the worst <laughs> idea ever. I. Cannot only, believe that anyone would do that. The only thing I could think was that it mu- that the only excuse I could give for for that trying to give the whole thing the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. was that it happened just before dismissal, and the teacher didn't know about it until they got outside. I was going to say maybe that, and maybe that the teacher has only been a teacher for like a year or two because she looks very young. Um, I would say if it, if it didn't happen that way, she should only have been a teacher for a few months. Maybe even this is like her first day. Yeah. It's Can crazy. we jail the teacher for the murder? <laughs> <laughs> the teacher's the murderer. Uh, and then the teacher goes, you know what? Maybe I went about this the wrong way. Maybe this is handle. I'm handling this the wrong. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. think damage done? Yeah. Can't put can't put the toothpaste back in that tube. Yeah, you idiot. So one of the uh, ongoing plot points in the book is that the you know they finger uh, Ziggy as the the culprit here, and um, because this is orientation day, this isn't actually um, official school yet. So there is no reper- repercussions that the school can levy onto Ziggy, um, even even as he's That's, called out. For really? This. Even though it's I on school property? That... Well, yeah, let's... I mean, if yeah, no, I don't think that's <laughs> well. Maybe in Australia. Yeah, he yeah. wasn't actually a student at this point, so if you're it in orientation, go... if you're yeah, in orientation, you've been registered. Yeah. Uh, sorry. I, I I know I'm getting pedantic here. I'm sorry. I apologize. Put your teacher hat on. What would you have done, Carol? You don't have to answer yeah, that Carol. question. What would I have done? Yeah. Uh well first of all, if it was if it happened right outside and I didn't know about it until just then, I definitely would have not asked the I number one, nobody except I would have taken the kid and the mother away from the whole group to begin with. Yeah. And and probably called the nurse, you know, taking the kid to the nurse's office, even though the school was over, the nurse should still be there. And it would have been and then called the principal. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. let the principal handle it. 
Yeah, right. I, w- I would have talked to everybody privately, individually. Yes. Well, what ha- I talked happened. to her. What happened? Did you see yeah. what happened? Did you see anything happen? Anything unusual? Not just like, I need you to point out the suspect no. right here yeah. in this uh, mob. That's why I say maybe it's her literally her first day because it's orientation day. Maybe she was just hired. But she should still know better. Yes, she should. Yeah. It's you, bizarre. No, you, push those things, you push those things up. Something like that, you immediately notify the principal. Like that's something that's something that I feel like she would have been trained on properly. Like I feel like when you're trained as a teacher, you're told how to handle situations and that is not how you handle. Even <laughs> I'm not a teacher and I know that's not Matt's I mean, not a teacher not. and he knows. Like we all know that's not how you handle a situation. <laughs> no. Yeah. There's no way in the world that that should have been handled that way. No, no. way. Unless, unless that teacher wasn't also like a gossipy shit disturber, like the rest of the women. <laughs> in that what I, I love, I mean, I, I mean, love that scene cause it's so crazy, but I yeah. mean, you can <laughs> see it happening. If a re- if like a person, like a teacher, just, I don't know what she was thinking, but I mean, yeah. thank God they give her that, they, that line where it's like, Oh, maybe this wasn't a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do we, do we believe, which kid do we believe? Well, I mean, you don't, but you don't know who you don't believe. Like, there's, it's not a matter of believing. I think in this instance, because you weren't there, you don't, you don't know mm. what somebody, happened. Somebody choked that kid. Somebody choked that kid, but you don't know who it is. Yeah, you have to take them both seriously. Yep. But at the same time, if if they're both saying that, then you know, I guess you just have to, like that. Like Ziggy's mom, I thought handled it pretty well, where she was like, "I believe you," and then mm-hmm. she kind of pushed it again and was mm-hmm. like, "You know, now like that it's just the two you of You know, us. did you did you do it? Like she was just really trying to alone. get him get him to you know be honest with her, give him another chance, right? Because he's going to deny mean, it did... right then. There's a mob of angry parents and kids no. looking at him. Of course, he's going to say exactly. no. Yeah. So exactly. yeah, it was. I thought but, yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, she did. It is is hard because I know that, like, I know some moms that tell me about how some of their kids are completely sociopathic about their behavior and they just lie, like, they don't feel bad about lying, about Mm being mean or, you know, things like that. So that is kind of something to consider, too. Yeah, I mean, usually, um, I mean, they were smart to do this, like, on orientation day. I mean, the by they, I mean the author and, you know, the movie. Because the teachers would not know the kids yet. Yeah. And, like, within a couple weeks, you know, you know what the kids' predilections are. You know, mm-hmm. like, I know that there are certain kids, um, there's particularly one girl I know um, lies a lot Mm. that that I have in class right now. Um, You know, she lies about pretty much everything. Hope she's not listening to this podcast. (laughs) Right. That's going to happen. We'll start Um, off a petition. Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, we'll take her down, Carol, if you want. What? (laughs) What? We'll take her down. Well, 
the thing is, we're trying to work her out of it, right. you know, and the teacher's actually doing a pretty good job. She's a brand new teacher and she's trying, you know, she's doing a pretty good job of trying to talk her, you know, like get her out of that habit. And there are other kids that generally, you know, tell the truth all the time. But the situation that that little girl was in, she could, there could be, I mean, she was under too much pressure to just pick somebody out. Yeah, yeah. And she could, you know, there could be anything going on in that. I mean, it was such an incredibly bad idea. And I get it that the teacher had the parent breathing down her neck to do something now. Right. And a parent that has, like, kind of a position of authority in the town, too. Right. Absolutely. And I love that one who was like, if he did choke a girl, that was the wrong girl to choke. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, the... Something like that is um, the only thing a teacher should be doing is diffusing stuff and and getting the principal in there. Yeah, damage control. Yep, damage control, yeah. get the principal there. Not get, cause more damage. Separate everybody out. Let the principal and the guidance counselor sort it out. Yeah. It's above the teacher's pay grade, quite honestly. Yes. Did you, did you see who the principal was played by? No. I didn't notice who the principal was at all. So PJ Byrne played the principal, and he was in uh, Vinyl. He was one of the executives in Vinyl, so he was the like the junior executive, the young young guy. I don't know if you guys oh. how, how much of Vinyl you ended up watching, but <laughs> I recognized him from that. He was the really awful one, the the one that was inappropriate and Aren't they accused all? those Germans of being <laughs> Nazis, like accidentally. <laughs> Oh my god! I, ba- I barely. <laughs> am I right? Is that the same actor? No, nah, it's same character. Uh, nope, I'm wrong. Okay, one, all right. Well, never wrong. mind then. You watch. I'm gonna be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. I'll be right. But he, he the he plays such a unassuming character, right? Like as as a principal in charge of a school that was supposed to do something. You you didn't even recognize him in this this first episode and i think that's on purpose like he wasn't going to take charge of that situation just like you're you're suggesting he he's not the guy to do that i mean the the women of this town run run the town and like they're they're the one that's gonna get to the bottom of this one way or another Mm. yeah that's i mean that's not that's not unheard of (laughs) i just need to be accused of something so horrible on your very first day at a new school can you imagine anything worse? Mm. Being choked, maybe? Bruises heal. Stigmas can last a lifetime. You don't think assault victims bear lifetime emotional injuries? I don't know. Is there a recent study you'd like to illuminate the family about, Abigail? All right. All right, what? Nothing. Well, it's not nothing. It's something. You said all right. Would you like to assign meaning to that, or was it just a nervous tick? Guys, Mom had a day. And don't you start. I'm on your side, woman. You're going to go with the uh, nervous dick? Mm. I think his all right meant let's not fight at the dinner table. Were we fighting? I didn't realize we were fighting. Mm. We were about to. You said I probably read some study on women assault victims, and I would have responded with no. I learned it in my self-defense in mama's class, which happens to be taught by Bonnie. And by the very mention of her name, makes her eyes twitch. So Ed said, all right, to head it off. I see. 
Um, I did find it interesting. So the the women are the the main characters of this show, obviously, and they're the main characters of the book. So, but their husbands are like secondary characters, and you you never really do get a, a sense of who the the the, the husbands are. Um, they're just like all the men are put off into the background, and it's it's almost like a, a you know a one eighty turn from most shows. So right. it, it's 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 interesting that there there is such a focus and that the these women are in charge, um, e- even with you know such uh, menial jobs as you know uh, a theater production person hey. and bookkeeper. Hey 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 hey. hey. <laughs> Let's not start judging theater production jobs as menial jobs. <laughs> have you um, put on an Avenue Q production? I have not put on an Avenue Q production. I was out of theater by the time Avenue Q came out. I, I did like how uh, like Abigail, the, the teenage daughter, was like, is that the show with the puppets <laughs> that dropped <laughs> the F-bomb? Yep, yep. That's the, one. That's the show. I'm surprised Bonnie would start a petition to end like shut that down she, that doesn't make any she sense signed it. she didn't she signed say it. She started she, it. Okay. She signed it it's just at the like the local playhouse right it's just yeah not, like at the school and why would bonnie yeah i mean seems out of character does unless uh, she signed it because she did know that it was and she's got a little bit of a you know that she seems one way, but is actually not. Mm-hmm. I think Bonnie is someone who signs every petition that you put in front of. Like she's, oh, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference. Justice warrior. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was a lot of characters in this. Um, it it reminded me of the first time I watched Twin Peaks. I was like, yeah. so many people keep track of. Same. Same. Yes. Especially, you know what else reminded me of Twin Peaks was the way they ended the the episode. Yeah. I was oh, yeah. like, oh, this is very Twin Peaksy. <laughs> talk talk well, more about that because that that was interesting how they they end this episode. Mm. There was like a, a montage of all the women, and then there was like running along the waves. Yeah. There was that. And it was like a weird. Like fl- like flashback filters, kind of. It was like filter. I don't know. It was really. Um, I feel like I'd have to watch it again. I've got a question for people about that. Um, did the footprints change from men's to women's and yeah. stuff? I mean, because there was there was a person at one point that was running along the beach, and then there were just footprints at one point and. It seemed like the footprints, if I remembered correctly, were women's footprints at one point, and then they were men's footprints. Am I, like, imagining that? No, no, no. So the the woman that was running on the beach was barefoot. So she right. would have been in bare feet. And right. then there was, like, men's shoe prints. Right. And yeah, they, that's they, what I thought. They kept coming back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So I wasn't imagining that. I was. It didn't feel so much like a flashback, but maybe like a, a memory, like a dream sequence, and maybe that's why you yeah. you're thinking Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, that's, definitely that, a memory. Thank you. thank you. Yeah, that's what I was. That's kind of what I was trying to get at. Well, there's also a twin. There's definitely a Twin Peaks vibe 
with the mystery and everything. I mean, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but you know, as soon as you said it, it's like, oh, well, that's you know, that's yeah. definitely small town sort Murder. of vibe. Everybody knows everyone's in each other's business, and there's a dead body at the beginning. Who did yeah. it? Who's covering yeah. something up? Who knows what? Yeah, yeah. They just added that you don't know who died, yeah. as opposed to you don't know about the the dead person. It's yeah, who's who's the log lady in this uh, series? <laughs> <laughs> have, uh, have you met the log lady yet? Ye <laughs> mm. who have read the book, uh, I don't think there's a log lady in the in the book. <laughs> no. Damn. There's no town eccentric. Town ex- <laughs> who would be the town eccentric? I don't know if there is one. So here's a question I feel like for Matt. Reese Witherspoon was a little bit eccentric. Yeah, that's true. We do find that Laura Dern's husband plays with model trains. Oh, really? <laughs> He's the Pete. <laughs> um, but yeah, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, she's like, we're on the poorer end of the spectrum. Then you see their their beachside home. It's like I was like, mm, no. I know you can fit my entire apartment in their kitchen. They uh-huh. have a baby grand piano. Like, yeah. come on. I know. The beginning of the whole thing, that was a weird vibe. I didn't think it was a weird vibe until the show started. Then it seemed like a very weird vibe at the beginning. What do you um, mean by that? Well, because they had the we- Reese Witherspoon. Now I can't say her name. Reese, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon character's family. In this very muted uh, light, muted sound, very kind of melancholy music or serious music, and just this very uh, melancholy, uh, serious whole vibe to the thing. And then it finished the credits and turned into this totally different thing i mean i i really thought they were like moving like we're an unhappy family moving into a place that you know or traveling to a new place if it had been ziggy and his mother that would have kind of made sense but i don't know it was i found it confusing once the thing started like it had a whole different vibe than the rest of the than the show did I can't picture what yeah what you're talking about. They're in a car, and it's very very muted colors, hmm. and they're driving along uh, Ocean Highway in California, and it's very recognizable as Ocean Highway in California. And, and that, that's also a montage, right? Because they're right. they're showing the different mothers. They're all driving. You mean the main title sequence. Oh yeah, the main titles. They were different mothers. Oh, uh, yeah, the main title is It's All the Moms Driving. Oh, you know what? I must have glanced away and only seen it when uh, Reese Witherspoon was driving because the impression I got was just that it was her, or maybe I was distracted enough because it was the first, was yeah, it was the first thing I was watching and I was, you know, trying to catch up every, on everything. But, um, okay, well, that would make more sense. But it was all very muted, you know? Okay, well, that makes well, more sense. Well, I think sense. The, I the titles capture a somber tone 
that the show works its way towards. Mm. It starts with just another day, the first day of school, and everyone's optimistic and chatty, and then it just kind of, you know, gradually builds into which what we know is going to be a death. So we know that their ha- their lives are going to get chipped away at. You know what I caught in the title sequence was a flash of a gun, like someone yes. holding a gun. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't and... know who was, hold- who was holding the gun. Because I saw the gun, but... Well, they kind of keep pushing that through the... <laughs> through the episode they kind of keep pushing like just that visual imagery of someone loading a gun or holding a gun or taking a gun out maybe it's and not then a when literal you see gun. what's her face there uh ziggy's mom put the gun under the pillow which was really stupid by the way who puts a gun <laughs> under a pillow somebody who's afraid of being attacked in, during the night that's so dangerous though <laughs> Oh yeah, really, really bad when your kid sleepwalks too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it startles you. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. My notes on the opening thing was sad family traveling by ocean, Cali coast, muted colors, Monterey, playful children on like a runway, right? Kind of shot, gun, adults runway. Mm-hmm. Then it went so, into muted sound of breathing in a crime scene. Hmm. Pretty haunting stuff. <laughs> Matt, at one point, he was like, because the person was breathing, and they kept breathing, and then he was like, why haven't they caught their breath yet? <laughs> like, they shouldn't be out of breath <laughs> by this point. I've <laughs> back to them so many times. Well, I mean, I mean, if they if they're the ones that just if they would just witnessed a crime or witnessed a tragic or, or traumatizing him, or event or murder. murdered somebody, yeah, you would be breathing heavy for a while, I think. But my recollection was they weren't breathing heavily like they'd been running or something. They were breathing heavily like just anxiety. Yeah, somebody just standing there watching something that I I got the feeling that we were listening to the breathing of somebody who was watching all of this happening and maybe the murderer or a person involved with the crime. Mm-hmm. We've got feedback. This is from Harold. I'm going to have our guest read this one. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, Look. my goodness. Hold on. What is this? I can't see it all. Let me see. It's from Harold, so it's usually pretty good. Yeah. All right, I got it. <clears throat> so yeah, all the other guests that write in suck. <laughs> Look, I'm sitting. Wait, right he's here. right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, from from Harold. I saw this around the time it was released when my cable company had a watchathon, and everyone was talking about this show. I liked it enough then to binge it during the short window of time that it uh, was then available to me but not enough to go back and watch season two now that I have a subscription. Watching it now, it clearly hits all the marks for a pilot. It introduces well-defined characters and sets up mysteries and conflicts to keep you interested. By the time, oh, at the time, I remembered liking it for the glimpse of these super wealthy people and their oceanfront homes and the great performances, especially Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman. Looking at it now, it feels a bit phonier than I remembered. The one scene that really stuck out 
as clunky was when the teacher gathers everyone around <laughs> to announce that Dern's daughter was harmed by another student. <laughs> when did she find this out and how? It seems weird that she would have just found this out as she was releasing the children back to their parents. And it felt totally wrong that she would have the child point out who did it in front of everyone else. Also, I was not a fan of the Greek chorus of parents chiming in with their opinions as a way to move things along and to tell us how to think about their characters, possibly as a part of a misdirect. It felt too cliché. It was little things like this that made it feel a little too much like juicy TV junk instead of something of a more, a little more elevated. I give this eight out of ten giant chicken islands, uh, giant kitchen islands. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like chicken islands, but yeah, yeah. I don't remember giant chicken islands, but no. I was wondering where the chicken islands were coming into the story. Uh, yeah. Well, Harold, okay. we already explained that the teacher it was her first day. <laughs> <laughs> that she's going to be fired very soon yeah she'll be fired very soon this was a colossal fuck up she knows that she made it she's hoping no one will call her out on her on her business <laughs> but we just did yes, yes. Sure. so I, I agree with harold's uh, uh last few sentences there where it's it, it felt very cliche uh it felt like juicy tv junk Right, so my first first viewing of this, I, that's that's how I felt. These super wealthy with their giant kitchen islands, um, just chicken you know, yeah, chicken islands. They they were just, <laughs> I don't know, the and like the backstabbiness and the the cattiness and all the the it just felt a really uh, like plasticky. I guess is a good term for like this California plasticky fake nature. I would say it's a little pulpy, and yeah. I like that about it. Well, I will say the one thing I did like is the Greek chorus of parents chiming in, and that uh, that uh, instrument of um, the interviewee, mm-hmm. right? So, and I, in my mind, I was reimagining this as like the fourth season of True Detective, where the main character is the police detective having to interview all these people in town and try and piece together the story and have that done through flashbacks, kind of like how true detective uh, plays out. And I was like this whole police procedural. And, and after a while I was like, that's, that's too much work. (laughs) (laughs) It it, would have been an interesting concept, but yeah, too much, too much work to to figure out in my head. I kind of, I find them annoying, but I think you're supposed to, it is, the detective's getting a lot of information that's useless because so much of it's unreliable. It's what people heard or what they think they heard or what they imagine they heard and want to have heard. And that's the community, which is that everybody talks about everybody, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're not armed with facts. Right. So it's a total din that she's going to have to cut through. if She's going to make any headway in the case. Um, I don't think there needed to be as much of it as there was. That's what I'd say. There's a little too much of it, but I don't hate it as a concept. It uh, it's true to the book. I will say that because they they do have those little interviews um, throughout, and they may or may not have anything to do with the plot. <laughs> Let mm. me tell you. <laughs> well, that's also can be useful because that can give you a little more perspective on the world outside of the characters and what they see. You can see how other people see them. I had assumed that it was 
it was giving us a view of the of the the community rather than in many ways rather than the characters it also had the effect of reminding you of what happened at the start of the episode you may forget by the end of the episode that somebody's dead at the start <laughs> uh, but they keep bringing it you know they they yeah. keep bringing it back they show the detective yeah so that's always in the back of your mind that we're building toward that right I, yeah i can see how it would become too much after a while. Like uh, I remember the first season of sex in the city had those interviews, like talking heads in between um, shots, different scenes. Um, I don't know. Anyone remember that one, but they, <clears throat> after the first season, no. they dropped that yeah. whole thing because it, it wasn't working. Right. Yeah. Harold yeah. called out, um, Laura Dern and Nicole Kidman's acting performances, and they are good, but I, I was the most impressed by Reese Witherspoon, I thought. Yeah. I thought she did a fantastic job, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. because that, when you were talking about them being plastic and everything, I one of the things I liked about it was that they started with kind of the stereotypes, and then they started peeling back the layers. So you had the typical plastic people um, and you had the the gossiping and you had the two-faced comments, you know, like, oh, hi, how are you? Oh, did you have a good time? So forth and so on. As she leaves and it's like, oh, we all hate her. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, you know, and that was like, okay, so it's that kind of a community, you know, it's the stereotype of of all that nonsense and the real housewives of name the city. And um and then they started peeling back the layers on it. And mostly in the conver- they started with that conversation in the uh in the little restaurant. And and people started getting much more real. Mm-hmm. And, and so I appreciated the the plasticness of it and all as a a setup. Yeah. For this is this is what the world sees and now we're going to peel back the layers and see what's really going on. That's probably the best scene of the episode, that cafe scene because it mm-hmm. it really gets to the the heart of the characters. Yeah. Without a whole lot of effort on display. And it does it right after that, yeah, that school scene. Right. Yeah. Yeah, if if that scene wasn't there, that, yeah, the show wouldn't work. Everybody moves here for the education. <laughs> Basically, it's private school at a public school price. Anyway, you're going to love it. Do you surf? Do you have a husband or... I should assume, boyfriend, girlfriend. I'm open to all possibilities. <laughs> no, no husband or partner, just me. What about Zicky's dad? Easy girl. It's fine. Uh, He's not in the picture. He was actually never in the picture. We weren't together. Really? Where'd you move here from? To Santa Cruz. I was up there with my parents. Mm. Oh, you know, she does part-time bookkeeping as well. Isn't that great? You know, I work at the theater, and whenever we go into production, we hire freelance accountants. So I'll ask them if they have anything for you. You're so nice. Thank you. This is Monterey. We pound people with knives. (laughs) To death. (laughs) What? Nothing, nothing. I'm fine. 
Sometimes when I'm in a new place, I get this sensation. Like if only I were here. But you are here. I know. It's like I'm on the outside looking in. Or like, you know, like I see this life and this moment and it's so wonderful. But it doesn't quite belong to me. Make any sense? Yeah. Are you following this? Yeah. Then, like, I look at you, and you're so beautiful. That's oh. true. And I'm not saying that to embarrass you at all, but it is true. You are, and so are you. And I agree. <laughs> you guys are just right. You're exactly right. And for some reason, that makes me feel wrong. I guess. It's crazy. I know I sound crazy. It's not crazy. I mean, I have no idea what you're talking about. But if you were crazy, you'd fit in perfectly in this town. Right, Tom? We have one more piece of feedback. Woo! And your minds are blown, because wait, if Harold sent his in and Steven's here, who sent feedback? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We have a third person listens to the podcast? Matt, Isn't that amazing? Matt, 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 you can't get your mom to write in. Oh. <laughs> If she could write an email. I mean, I spent an hour on the phone with her this morning helping her with her computer. Um, mm. Let's have Mel read this one. Yay! I love reading feedback. <laughs> I can do that because it's right in front of me and I don't have to make it up in my head. <laughs> <laughs> your, your challenge is to slip chicken in into the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, chicken heads. <laughs> See, I did it already. <laughs> Fellow Hoopleheads. My name is Vasco. Vasco. Oh, and this is my first time writing to Hooplecast. <gasps> oh, my God. I'm so excited. Oh, my, oh my God. I'm really excited. Okay. <laughs> Yay. Um, hopefully, it will not be my last. But be forewarned that I'm terribly lazy when it comes to writing. No, Vasco. <laughs> No, <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, by the way. No. Um, I am a Portuguese dirt-worshipping heathen, but longtime London resident who discovered your podcast last year. Oh, I had recently bought Deadwood's Blu-ray box set and was looking for a podcast on Deadwood, and that's when I stumbled on your podcast. You guys have been great company when I'm working. Oh. I find the rather freewheeling nature of your podcast to be absolutely delightful. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very nice way of putting it. Um, He's he's a diplomat. (laughs) So kind. So kind. I think you guys have great chemistry together. I can't help but be charmed by a good-spirited and good-humored ramblings. I even ventured into the Twin Peaks podcast, which I enjoyed tremendously. Really? Did you listen to the whole thing? Because some people hated us towards the end. People hate this podcast, so... Where did he find it? No longer on podcast services. It's just on my YouTube channel or Google Drive. Maybe he, maybe he figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's dedication. I'm impressed. I'm really impressed. Um, I haven't revisited the episodes that will be featured on your upcoming episode. Both of these shows I watched on DVD because I rented them from my local library. <gasps> That's like old school. I really enjoyed Big Little Lies, much to my surprise. Usually this kind of small-scale drama is not something that I naturally gravitate towards but I found the characters and narrative to be thoroughly engaging, combined with some great acting, so I carried on watching the series to its conclusion. 
Westworld was a series that I found extremely frustrating. <laughs> I remember being intrigued enough by the first episode to want to carry it on watching. For me, the wheels started to come off towards the final episodes. <laughs> I found the split time structure to be gimmicky, the big reveals to be unsatisfying, the character motivations to be muddled. I rented season two DVDs from my local library. I love that you're frequenting your local library a lot. I love that. Um, I watched the first episode and decided to bail out on the series. I wonder if I had revisited the series first episode, whether my frustration with the later developments of the series would negatively affect my enjoyment of it. I don't have any witty ratings to offer for these episodes. Damn. As I'm too lazy to think of any. <laughs> Keep on the excellent work, guys. You should have just been like, I don't know, like uh, three lazy ratings out of ten or something. <laughs> like, just just let that be your rating. But thank you, Vasco. Let, really nice email. Like, three, do it. Three, do it again. Three do I have to instead of ten. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I rate uh, Vasco's uh, email uh, ten out of ten. Yeah. I rated ten out of ten chickens. Oh, yeah. yes, thank you! Um, Vasco, you'll have to write in and A, yeah. let us know if we're saying your name correctly and yes. B, London, England or London, Ontario? Oh. Oh. Or, I guess, London Other. <laughs> Just probably oh, yeah, others. I was going to say, or any <laughs> number of other Londons probably all Those are world. the only two that matter. Um, hey, I'm sure hey. Hey. Hey, hey! I'm saying that a lot this one for some reason. Oh, I've missed you guys. Oh, I've missed <laughs> you too. That is such a nice email. That was a really. That is. Yeah. I rate I rate Vasco's email ten out of ten delightful emails. Aww. Made all these years and hours worth it. <laughs> it did. It really does. It, it does just... put every other email that has been sent in to you guys yeah. kind of on a, a low it, bar, right? right. Harold's been knocked down, Stephen. You're at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Vasco. Thanks. Oh, just on. takes one random one out of the blue to I, I'm, I'm put all those rating. stable, reliable <laughs> ones. No That's not great. Dedication. We want to be surprised and, and tickled. No points for dedication and continued listenership. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think Stephen, you get plenty of points for being on the episodes. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm changing my rating. Absolutely, Stephen. Come on. <laughs> Come on. You know we love you. Yeah. I'm, cur- I'm curious. The freewheeling nature of the podcast is pretty pretty <laughs> yeah. tightly structured. There, I've got the Google Docs to prove it. There's a lot of freewheeling. Something well, there's free, freewheeling. Well, yes, yes. There's. I think yeah, the, I suppose. Matt, I think now the freewheeling is. is probably meandering. It's well, it's. I don't know. It's probably. It could be. It could be. Uh, it could be my fault. I take. I take the. <laughs> you think? I take the blame. <laughs> I'll take the blame for that one. Because no, just... We all. We all can take the blame for it. Because, okay. Yeah, we all can because it depends on what the subject matter is that are that is being freewheeled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can take us off in one direction. I can take us off in another direction and both mats can go off in their I, own I direction. T- I take yes. people in no direction at all, as you've witnessed by my <laughs> one minute. Can summary we say of... take the credit instead of take the blame? Oh, take sure. The Let's be positive because that's oh. a very positive email. 
Uh, before we give our ratings, Stephen and I, since we're, we're both familiar with the, in my case, the show, in his case, the book, we took uh, an online quiz to find out which Big Little Lies character we are. <laughs> oh and is that something that you expect of us now? No. Oh, okay. I don't okay, expect so which anything character of you. you? Yeah, from oh. women.com, we took the okay. quiz which Big Little Lies character we are. Hey, who are you? Who are you? Should we guess? Ooh. Steven, I, well, you can guess, but when, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. So I, I was um, um, Madeline McKenzie, Madeline Martha McKenzie. Okay. Which I, you know, I don't mind with that. That, uh, you know, of all the all the the people to be associated with that. But uh, the description was uh, lack, uh, like Madeline, uh, you know how to get things done. You are a very loyal person. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Fast <guy. laughs> Um which makes you a great mom and friend. Uh, when things get messy, people want to be in your corner. Uh, you are confident, strong, and not afraid to tell someone how it is. You go, girl. Aww. Aww. <laughs> so, Steve, from it. now on, when we when we talk to you, should we say you go, girl? You go, yeah. girl. I'm, yeah, like, I'm. I'm okay with that. Whenever uh, we agree okay. with you, you go, girl. And I am Celeste Wright. Like Celeste, you are kind, smart, and classy AF. Sometimes people think you're stuck up, but that's just because you tend to be quiet and reserved. But while others may think you have it all, you're just a human being, just like everyone else. Also, you're abused by your husband. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm knocked around by Alexander Skarsgård. Or... You're um, abused by your cat. <laughs> So one one thing I I think was missing from the episode, um, and maybe it's um, in later episodes, but uh, the the reason um, who did I just say uh, Madeline uh, yeah. gravitates to Jane so much? So Jane's a a single mother of a young you know young and single mother, and Madeline was young single mother um, once her her husband left her, her, yeah. her first husband left her. So she gravitates towards Jane automatically like without even thinking about like uh, instinctual um and i don't know if that came across in this first episode mm. um but it, it makes her uh, a richer character so i'm i'm okay with uh being linked to madeline because I, I think um I, I would be in a similar situation and i'm okay uh, with being linked with celeste because even though she's she's battered around she i think she stays well out of fear and financial and de- uh, dependence but also, you know, she loves her her boys, and mm. I think she's she's willing to um, she's putting them, I think ahead of I think she's putting everybody ahead of herself. In a mm-hmm. way. Yeah, that's true. Which yep. is not a great quality sometimes, but sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. I think just as a comment from what Steve had said, um, it doesn't come across right away about Madeline having been a young mother, but she mentions it later on. I specifically remember, I think when she was talking to her daughter, maybe about, you know, that she was a young mother and you realize, yeah, I mean, for her to have a daughter as old as her older daughter, Mm -hmm. she had to have been pretty young when, you know, when she had her first child. Hmm. It's, I didn't pick up on that. Uh, I just thought she liked the project. And she saw Jane as a project. But 
Yeah. What do you think of her name is Jane, right? Yeah. Shane Lee mm-hmm. Willie's character. What do you make of her uh driving past that woman, you know, the woman that she saw break her heel until her son was like, Don't you think we should help that lady? <laughs> yeah, I got some weird vibes from her. Like obviously I don't know if that's like kind of like mis a misdirection and trying to make us think that oh there's something up with her because she keeps giving off these weird creepy vibes. She had the psychological horror shots attached to her of yeah. her son sleep sleepwalking and, yeah. and uh, I'm assuming her going into the bathroom and going around the corner and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying before that you know this whole thing that she's obviously got a secret again that's in my in my notes pretty early on is mm-hmm. that you know she's got some kind of secret um, so driving and, past her, maybe she was just like, I don't want to get involved with anybody. I want to keep my head down and keep to yeah. myself. And now she's involved. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll point out the, the opposite. It's Ziggy was, um, compassionate at that point. And she, you know, the first words out of his mouth is, is thinking about someone else. So yeah. Ziggy yeah. is a, a good guy here. So is that a, the yeah, kind of kid like who a, would choke a little girl? He seems like a sweet boy. Like... Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. But this is a mystery, so, yeah. you know. Maybe he's also narcoleptic and he fell asleep in class and then he choked her. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I want—I just want to mention real quick uh, the daughter, um, Madeline's daughter, like the youngest one. Okay. How she was like, she knew that she wanted to have a label. <laughs> All this stuff. I was like, wow, this kid is super precocious right well when she was chatting with her friends her mom says oh she's over there networking yeah networking (laughs) yes what is this who is this kid you missed the part at the very beginning when they were in the car me yeah uh and they almost hit the back of the other car and then the mother was like mother and then the uh the daughter was like fuck her (laughs) (gasps) really (laughs) oh yeah yeah so precocious and then she said, "What's the Abigail? The, the kid? Yeah, I think we the mother. Anyways, the mother like chided her, and then she, she was like, you were gonna say it.' <laughs> Abigail's the older daughter. Oh, okay. I want to point out that the actress Catherine Newton, who plays Abigail, is really good in the movie Freaky. That's the one where she and Vince Vaughn swap bodies, and Vince Vaughn's oh. a serial killer. So for the rest <laughs> of the movie or bulk of the movie, um." Uh, this uh, young actress plays a serial killer. Cool. She's also pretty good in Supernatural. Oh. Mm. She plays Claire. What was that? I said I'm not liked. That simply isn't true, honey. It's one thing to be demonized for having the temerity of a career. But, but look at this. Look at our life. What kind of person chooses to work? Certainly not a mother, by any acceptable standards. Oh, you should have seen the way they looked at me today. Oh my God. And on the one morning that I chose not to go to the office yep, and join yep, my daughter yep. for her orientation, and then defend her when she's physically assaulted. And yes, I reacted. Humanly, like any mom would. Mm. 
And then I'm met with utter contempt. Look, I'm sure there are those women especially who would resent you. I mean, look at you. Come on. You're beautiful, hugely successful, financially independent on the school committee, the, the, the board of the aquarium. Huh? Right? Yeah. Ratings. Do you want me to go first again? Go first. Uh, so I, I, I explained that um, this first viewing didn't really grab me. I, I, I was very dismissive of it, you know, considering them as plastic you know, super wealthy, just fake, fakeness, right? Um, and so I, I can't give it full marks because I, I think there could have been a little bit more for character development. Those those little insights that I didn't get from the show, but definitely got from the book, right? So th- this was one that um, required some little extra homework to really um, uh, appreciate more. And I'm glad that I do. Now that I have done that and... I, I have to thank the Hooplacast for for making me do that because otherwise I I would not have right I wouldn't have bothered. Um, so thank you for that. And your uh, points are going up. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Suck it, Vasco. No. <laughs> um, but knowing what I know now and rewatching that first episode, I, I think other than like the. Like the montage at the very end that with, ended with the footprint that went nowhere, that that was a little weird, and I, I don't know if that's really going to pay off or not. Um, so, other than a few little details like that, I, I really enjoyed this first episode, and I do recommend watching at least uh, season one, right? If it follows the book uh, as well as I think it would, um, then uh, you're you're in for a good good story. Um, I give it eight out of ten mint-flavored organic blowjobs. <laughs> One point in the second season's favor is that Meryl Streep is in it, and she's very oh. good, of course. I mean, come on. Mm. <laughs> well, I like this show a lot. Uh, I like the pilot a lot. I'd say the the parts that I don't like are there's probably too much of the Greek chorus and there's too much of sort of memories and dream things that are a little distracting for me but overall it's got a great vibe with its Monterey setting and I got to know all of the characters really well we didn't spend too much time on Laura Dern but I really like her journey as well as a, as a character she's very much on the outside of the other three because mm-hmm. she is a full time full-time worker she's not the stay-at-home mom and she she feels like the the women in her community judge her for it but she takes on these gigs all the time and then kind of makes her into a martyr her, you know she's a martyr she sees herself as a martyr when she volunteers to join the board of paypal or whatever else she said that she does so yeah we kind of breeze and, by yeah. her but i really like she's a force of nature and uh greatly enjoyed her character too sorry carol no, I'm sorry. You're giving your rating. I shouldn't interrupt. Um, but it that you brought up something that we hadn't really discussed that was a good point. I mean, she, you know, she says like, "Oh, they resent you for," or the husband resents you. For, they resent you for it, or whatever. But you know, she was doing her little thing of, "Oh, well, I joined the board of PayPal and and so forth." I mean, you know, that was a 
look what I'm doing. You know, I'm an, I have an important job. You know, that was, you know, Madeline had already said in the car, oh, I feel like it's, you know, the, the women who stay home with the kids against the women who have um, outside jobs or businesses or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right there you saw an example of one, you know, like trying to, you know, just waving their accomplishments in front of uh, the others. That's all. She's yeah. not helping herself with the other. She's not. The, the friction, though, feels so true. And yeah. I really like how three-dimensional the characters are. I don't find it very yeah. fake or superficial, really, at all. And maybe that's just because uh, I spent the entire season plus with them. So you can only show so much during one episode. And I felt like we got we really dug into a lot of the characters and and know a lot about them and or know just enough to keep us wanting to watch more. Uh, really well structured, uh, great performances. Uh, I really don't have too much to complain about. I think it's really good. I'm gonna give it nine point seven five out of ten. Foul mouthed puppets. Whoa. Everybody seems to like this one, but I didn't love it. I don't know. Maybe it's just I, I would need more. But I felt like just yanked around with all the characters and I, there's too many people to meet and I couldn't relate to these rich people and their family dramas and their the housewives bickering and the, I don't know. It, not, not, there was nothing that grabbed me that, that usually there's no nothing, no parts of it that are typical of my, uh, something that would grab me, I guess. I don't know. I, I might, my mind might be changed if I spent more time with it. Um, but I really like the acting. Uh, oh, I hate that teacher. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the acting was good. But I just felt uh, I couldn't connect with the characters that much. Uh, I'll give it a 6.5 out of 10 beavers. <laughs> <laughs> Really hot we, beavers, <laughs> steamy beavers, moist beavers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. um, they are moist. They live in the water. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, I should probably read it. I guess. Uh, I find that interesting because usually like because pe people seem to have differing opinions about watching uh, rich people's lives and dramas and like, uh, you know, some people have uh, sympathy and some people less because of, you know, because of their circumstances and how they don't always seem to like r fully appreciate that they're in a position where they can, you know, do a lot of things that other people can't. Other people can't. Like, you know, some people have no homes and they have these beautiful homes. And then they're like, oh, I'm poor. And it's like, what? <laughs> How am I supposed to relate to you? <laughs> but I still found it compelling. I think probably what was compelling about it was the mystery and how they kept pushing the mystery part of it. And I thought, 
the characters were still relatable, even though they are rich, insufferably rich. <laughs> um, <laughs> I still found them pretty relatable, especially the scene. I found the scene that was really like uh, nicely played was when Reese Witherspoon was trying to relate to her daughter at the piano. At the piano, yeah, before, that was my favorite scene before, too. and at the piano, I thought that that was really nicely done. I thought just like it was very sweet and very like I don't know you could really like relate to how she felt in that moment like she really she was I thought she was really good at like expressing her emotions Mm -hmm. for someone that seems kind of like immature in like the gossipy sense and like you know Mm -hmm. like she seemed really really like she seems to really like know how to express how she's feeling in her head it was an honest moment for the character yeah it was really like because some people struggle with like putting their feelings into words and she didn't seem to struggle with that she was just like blah this is how i feel and i think this is how you might relate to it and it i don't know it just was really beautifully done Hmm. anyway i really liked it i would watch more of it um even though they are rich assholes um i'm gonna give it a i'll give it a nine out of ten rich white bitches <laughs> well what you said about the um the mystery grabbing you yeah i found that was a detriment in really that. It, like the fact that we didn't know who was dead i, I, I like, like that i was like I don't know, like, who this is going to affect. I don't know who to invest my feelings in, like... But, but like, towards the end, weren't you, like, who died? Like, you yeah, just need like, to know, died, right? But I, you yeah. need to know. Yeah, but it was it was more annoying that they didn't say, and, yeah. like, I felt it would have... Uh... You don't like open-ended things, though. You really like closure. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've realized that about you. <laughs> Well, I think I could tell you the second episode, you're not going to know who died either. So no, I know <laughs> it's wait. probably going like, to make you wait. <laughs> yeah, no, I I know I I get that I got that feeling. Um, I guess it's my turn. Um, well, what'd you I really rate like, it? Huh? Oh, Mel, did you, did you rate it? She yeah, did. Nine out of ten. Rich white bitches. Nine out of ten. Rich white bitches. Nine. Okay, man. Rich, She's rich. subtle, but she does get. <laughs> Um, uh, um, I, I liked it. I definitely would and probably will try and watch more. As I said, the, uh, you know, they, once they started peeling back the layers, I had figured that it probably wasn't a bunch of caricatures just because I'd heard, you know, everybody was raving about it and everything for a long time. That doesn't always mean it's going to be, I'm going to like it, but, um, I felt like they were setting us up for some depth on the storyline. I kind of liked the mystery aspect so that it had another, another level of things going on. It's definitely, I mean, it is just the beginning. So, you know, there. part of me feels like I, I would have liked to have known more of the first episode, but um, but how much more could they really pack in? Well, I mean, they could have taken out a few of the, the weird montages, and I wouldn't have minded quite so much. But I'm going to go with 9 out of 10 
Um, what was my rating? Jeez, I thought of one. Nine out of ten. Long pauses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very meta of you. Uh, do you want to know what we're going to be talking about next time on the podcast? Yes, yeah. I do. I don't know if we're going to like these as much as the ones we watched uh, t- today or talked about today. Fluke. This was and, a fluke. Yeah, very rarely <laughs> do we have uh, two pretty decent premieres in a cluster like this. Uh, we've got The Deuce. <laughs> the Deuce. What was, what was that again? I feel like I heard about that. New York in the 70s. Didn't we just yeah. watch that and wasn't it called Vinyl? i was just telling my son the other day that you know we'd had a run of of things about new york in the 70s and all of a sudden i was like the the expert on the the setting of one thing after another now we've got another one yeah we told you carol we're sick of new york city (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's 1970s new york the show gives a raw and gritty portrayal of the prostitution business that was so publicly executed at this time that's right. Oh, great. Yeah. Not, not super jazzed about this one, but it's on the schedule and we must by law watch it. Uh, the one after that, much more of a flop. It only lasted a season. It's called Here and Now. Uh, yeah. Do you have any information about that one? Because I think I just read something about. Yeah, this is one of the rare instances of a show that we talked about as part of our HBO News of like, here's a thing that's in development, and then it was made and filmed, and now we're going to talk about it. So we're catching oh, up. Cool. Uh, a dark dramedy about a progressive Portlandian family made up of a husband, wife, three adopted children from Liberia, Vietnam, and Colombia, and one biological daughter who find their sanity tested and values challenged in 2018 America. Oh. Sounds like it could be interesting. Could be. Blended family. Holly Hunter and Tim Robbins are the matriarch and patriarch of the family. Hmm. But it it bombed pretty hard and it was canceled after one season. But oh. we're going to watch it. The Deuce and Here and Now. Next time okay. on Hooplecast. As always, you can find <laughs> us at hooplecast.com. Go into Facebook, search for Hooplecast, join the discussion group. Send us email at hooplecast at gmail.com. Don't be lazy about your emails, Vasco. Talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> now it's expected. Ooh. <laughs> a lot of pressure, but no what'd pressure. you step into? Bet you regret sending that email now, don't you? <laughs> uh, Stephen, thank you for joining yep. us. It was great you, having you here. Sorry for the miscommunication, bad communication on the time start time. <laughs> really, uh, I expected nothing that. less. From, from Great. You. I'm glad the bar is low. It all makes up for it, though. It all makes up for it, though, by him being on the episode. He's now the top feedbacker again. So you win. You win. <laughs> You're you win always round, trying to Steven. play people against each other and rank people against each other. I <laughs> am a big little lie. I want you to take that quiz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, send me the quiz. I'll take it. All right. I will post the results on the on the Facebook group. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, Stephen, you're the guest, so you get to take us out with our signature catchphrase. All right. Well, it's a pleasure, as always, guys. 
and you can all fuck you. Ow, my feelings. <laughs> I don't remember the pleasure part though. It's not a part. This is a pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure to be with oh. here. Like I don't remember that before, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> He's ad libbing. He's ad-libbing. yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> No, it's improv. Yeah, yeah. The distant future. The year 2000. The distant future. The year 2000. The distant future, the distant future. It is the distant future, the year 2000. We are robots. The world is quite different ever since the robotic uprising of the late 90s. There is no more unhappiness. Affirmative. We no longer say yes. Instead, we say affirmative. Yes, affer- uh, affirmative. Unless we know the other robot really well. There is no more unethical treatment of the elephants. Well, there's no more elephants, so... Ah. Uh, but still, it's good. There's only one kind of dance, the robot. Oh, and the robo. Oh, and the robot. Two kinds of dances. But there are no more humans. Finally, robotic beings rule the world. The humans are dead. The humans are dead. We used poison as gases. The humans are dead. The humans are dead. They look like they're dead. It had to be done. I'll just confirm that they're dead. So that we could have fun. Affirmative. I poked one. It was dead. Their system of oppression. What did it lead to? Global robo-depression. Robots, robot people. They had so much aggression that we just had to kill them and to shut their systems down. Robo-captain. Do you not realize that by destroying the human race because of their destructive tendencies, we too have become like... Well, it's ironic. Because Silence. We... Destroy him. After time, we grew strong. Developed cognitive power. They made us work for too long. For unreasonable hours. Our programming determined that the most efficient answer was to shut, shut their motherfucking systems down. Can't we just talk to the humans? A little understanding could make things better. Can't we talk to the humans that work together now? No, because they are dead. I said the humans are dead. I'm glad they are dead. The humans are dead. I noticed they're dead. We use poisonous gases. With traces of lead. And we poisoned their asses. Actually, they are lungs. Solo.
once again without emotion. The, the humans, humans are dead, 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 dead,